1: Uh, 見えない。uh, あー。あー。あー。I miss you.
2: What's good, Internet? It's February 7th, 2023, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio episode 540. I am your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Patrick Pappock. No, stop! Stop the applause. It's only
3: my birthday. Uh, it's fine. No shit. What? Well, birthday? when this comes out, it be, when it comes out, it'll be a birthday. February seventh is my birthday.
0: Yeah. Oh. Hey. A birthday Happy, boy. Early birthday. Happy early birthday. Early birthday. Aww.
4: How old are you? <laughs> Steam is throwing you a birthday party all Ew. week.
3: Also, hello to Renata Price. I feel like this happened. <laughs> Rob, you gotta you, you gotta introduce me last because I feel like I always interrupt, and then the amount of times we probably don't get to Ren's intro. <laughs> is That's fine. Making yeah. me feel bad. I'm just I'm I'm acknowledging. Hang on. Hang on, You're the birthday boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ren understands.
0: Yeah, I would ne- I would never take away from the birthday boy.
3: Can I, um, I want to offer, uh, to my, this expert panel, um, you know, we had a, a Kirkland discussion on the last podcast and, um, we can have one here. I want, uh, I got one like real gift from some family and friends went in on and got something for me for my birthday. It was unveiled, uh, on, uh, over this weekend, which is when we kind of celebrated with some folks. What do you think they got me? Can anyone guess? I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast. I feel like I have. I'm almost sure I've talked about it with Rob at some point, but I I can't. I can't confirm it. So it's got to be, you know, it's a little more expensive than your normal thing. People Mm -hmm. are pooling some money. You get some options. A shed. It's got one of those for myself. That would have been a good one, though. (laughs) Season tickets. No, I'm on a list for those at some point, but that's that's a journey. I got the Costco blow up hot tub.
1: <laughs> oh, my fucking oh my god! god. The what? I'm
2: just gonna enter those terms into Google and see. What <laughs> I believe Bird's Way
3: is actually the, the one they sell. So it's not as a not a Kirkland. It's, it's not a Kirkland. Uh, <laughs> no, they don't make the blow up hot tub, but they sell a specific uh, hot tub. I, uh, let me see if I can find it.
4: Coleman, Bestway, Aquaspa. Which one is it?
3: I'm saying
2: S- Saluspa,
4: Al- rest.
3: Let me see. Uh, I think
2: Man, judging maybe those it's photos, best, like, maybe can you handle having right. a third kid? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, it is none of these prices. It is, it is, it is, uh, I think, I think, so I maybe it's not being sold on Costco's uh SF gate? I th- I think it's this. Yeah, that, that that's the first thing I got on yes. the Costco site. This looks very similar to the the package. Right.
2: Um, the best way to sell you spa, okay,
3: inflatable hot
2: tub, it's two to three people. Hey, listen, I'm sure the engineering on this is great. I just don't like how much that <laughs> thing looks like an outboard motor on a boat that would be connected it to a does. propeller. Well, I don't. Can I put that? In, can I put that in a lake and yeah, just sort of like sputter top sputter top my in way the along lake and then
3: just
1: kind gotta- of. <laughs>
3: You can't fill it up with too much water, but it should it should float. Uh, <laughs> I will say uh, a, a, someone I know got this as a hand-me-down. Like someone didn't want to do the maintenance on it anymore. And they just basically like, please just take this inflatable hot tub off my hands. And they swear by it.
2: Wait, I'm uh, supposed to maintain my inflatable
3: hot tub? Yeah, you need chemicals. Yeah. It's the whole thing. This is, uh, yeah. You, you you It's meant to like be put up and then oh my you're God, running though. it for a couple of weeks, it has, right? Like it's not... Freeze shield automatic this- heating
4: technology to stop water from freezing yeah. during cold temperatures.
3: It maintains yes, itself. That's one of those
4: this weekend.
3: <laughs> this is meant to go like this. Can, yeah. This can sit on my deck. Yeah, like that's the plan. Wow. Like, in the spring, you know, put on a little uh, MLB. Although I guess I won't be doing that on YouTube TV, Rob, because you <laughs> they just dropped baseball from that over a carrier dispute. Um, so hopefully that gets worked out before you better. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. Well, in some ways, it doesn't matter for me because most of the Cubs games are going to be on the separate marquee like, <laughs> sports network. Well, baseball games are that's where a lot of sports teams are going is they are clawing away distribution rights except for national games to then have to be a separate subscription service on uh, that. You're basically buying from the team that they subsidize the the Cubs do that. Um, yeah, or just started doing that a couple of years ago. I think Boston does that for some of them, right? Right?
1: Right? I think the, this, I think uh, the Red Sox might do that.
4: This this hot tub has a uh uh. It can be programmed up to forty days in advance in order programmed? to be heated. Yeah, so if you know that in a month you want to use the hot tub, you can set
3: it to be ready for that exact day. Okay,
1: cause this, okay so
3: this was – okay, that is interesting because I didn't unbox this. It came really late. I just got to see the box, and then we left it at my parents' like lake house in the garage. And that was a question. I was like, well, should it come home or should it stay here? Mm-hmm. And then the thought was – well, what are you going to do? Like, get there on a Friday night, set it up, and only enjoy it, like, at 2 a.m. on Saturday by the time it warms up? Right. Uh, and what Kato is suggesting is, no, no, no. No, you can... Just leave that bad boy full of water, yeah. put that Put that thing on top, and just, you know, it's a, use a
1: phone it's app. It's got a,
4: a chem-connected Connect Chem Connect dispenser to provide a stable level of chlorine in the hot tub. And it seems like Incredible. it actually maintains itself if you do
3: it right. Wow. <laughs> Are you Rob are you saying this seems like a very efficient hot tub? I mean that's yeah. just me baby so <laughs> we're good to go. Oh my god.
4: I just love the idea of knowing just
0: knowing I'm going to use this in exactly 1 month. Damn. I'm going to need I'm going to need to be really warm in 30 days. <laughs>
3: yeah. But I ha- uh. I knew that. We I this trip to go out for my birthday was planned Two months in advance, because we went to go... So what's funny, though, is that government. you would have to go up there a month in advance mm-hmm. to program it, and then... My brother's... Well, no, my brother, he's unreliable. He would <laughs> not do that. He would not do that. My neighbor across the street would, though. Okay. So. Okay, yeah. If you get somebody else to do it for you, then, yeah, you're mm-hmm. set. You're ready. <laughs> Incredible. Thank- I kind of was making this purchase even... Make even more sense, oh way God. less ridiculous uh, than than it was on its face when I walked outside just and like, saw
4: it. Do you like plug it into a hose each time? Mm-hmm.
3: How does I this? Think so yeah, yeah you just... and The funniest. The funniest part is my my brother and 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 wife had conspired over getting this and had tried desperately to to get it in time so that it could be set up and it didn't. The timing didn't work out, but we were. Uh, my brother kept like buying. I was taken to a bar Mm -hmm. uh, where they have a golden tea machine and he was like, I was like, well, let's just do nine holes. Then we'll go up to the house. We're not away from the kids for too long. And then he was like, no, we're doing 18. And I was like, I, like, did you talk to Katie? I was like, I don't like, I'm not trying. Like, I don't like want to be, I want to be back and helping. And it turns out they were like decorating the house. And so I had some dad (laughs) guilt over not like (laughs) abandoning my family. And instead my wife was like, stay the fuck away. We need to put up these (laughs) streamers. Oh, that's nice. Anyway, maybe in thirty days I'll, well, more than thirty days I'll report back on the hot tub, but uh, yeah, it's just in a box at the moment. But I am, I am looking forward to it. So that's just truly, just embracing the Costco. I mean, now I'm a little disappointed that it looks like it's purchasable on Amazon. It seems to take away from the specialness of you it. You like but, feeling uh, like
2: a special little Costco member.
3: It was it was bought from I, my understanding is it was bought from Costco. So
2: at the yeah. at the end of the day, you know, I get it. Well uh, and and the Costco link that I have, they're out of stock on those. Um Damn. probably because they've burned through their uh reserve of them installing them in Costco apartments. <laughs> well well I, you know,
3: funny enough, Rob, this at least is is a decent uh uh transition to wondering that maybe this would have been useful for rob this weekend in there as you survived the apocalypse uh in uh in your area because it seems like you uh maybe it seems like you got it less worse than other people directly around you
2: but you went through quite a nightmare uh this weekend yeah it was like the coldest it's been like a century uh here negative 40 with the windshield right something like that um yeah, so something like that. It was it was about that bad. Uh, it might have actually gusted up to being worse than that. It was like it was shockingly cold when I went out earlier, uh, like on Friday. Uh, it was already at a point where I was wearing a really heavy, really nice like Columbia jacket with the like reflective lining and all that. Like I had all the all of like the really intense winter stuff that you like hardly need to bring out a lot of times and let me tell you, we were basically at the limit of what it could compensate for because um, it was just. Yeah, it was like knife, it was like knifing straight through. Uh, but yeah, the the big complication was, uh, you know, we're lucky on the top floor. Um, one, we don't have pipes above us and two heat rises in the building. So we were able to weather it pretty well. The, the, the strong winds like kind of. We were not aware of all the tiny little gaps that were around the window frame. Until the, this weekend, but now we are keenly aware of them because uh, you just like feel like the air, uh, like pouring, pouring through. Like plus I, the- have, I
3: have an outlet. So with the sounds like you got it worse than we did. But that same cold front worked its way through us a couple of days prior where we were down to like negative seven, negative eight, something, something like that. So it wasn't nearly as brutal, but it was still don't go outside weather. And I, I then discovered an outlet that I don't really use, but you know, again, speaks to how I always describe my office as being frigid. It was just frosted through, just like <laughs> like just mm-hmm. ice along the outlet. Uh, which there's a couple of things you can do, but it, it's not, it's not a great situation. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't want it.
2: Yeah, I I uh we had a bit of frost on the window too. Like it really awkwardly uh for a while there we couldn't close one of the windows cuz it was Well, that's uh, what I was going to
3: ask. that one of the last messages I saw from you on Friday was a at least by your you're very measured in your writing, but uh, m- mild panic from <laughs> Rob over a, a seemingly a window that may snap and just not shut anymore during the last possible moment you would want that happening. Yeah, I uh
2: the window was stuck, and I think it was just a piece of frost. Um, because like w- like later we were able to get the like we were able to get the window shut. Uh, but for a while there, a good a good portion well, you of, use, you described as like using like all your might
3: to just and feeling as though you were going to snap something.
2: Oh yeah, like process. I was pulling up on it, I could see it bowing. Um, and then like it just it released later. Uh, basically like pushing down, I think like opening mm-hmm. it really wide. And then bring it up, like solved the problem, right? Ah. That was that was the thing. Um but yeah, so like we were we were lucky, but um the people above the garage level were not. Uh the <laughs> our building sits on a it has an underground parking garage that is mostly there because that is also where all the building services are, um, you know, boilers and such uh for heat. And that place doesn't get heat, so it just turned into a negative 20 degree like pocket of air uh, inside the building and yeah like burst a ton of pipes and uh, now our underground garage is like the titanic Uh, you go down there it's just like pitch black ceilings like caving in uh, real good times Um, and you know it's uh, it's one of those things that is going to be tricky to repair because a lot of buildings in the area had similar issues because this like was just a This was a level of cold that's kind of beyond what anything in the area is specced out to deal with. Mm. Um, So now, like, everyone needs the same heavy-duty, like, utilities contractors and such. Everyone needs, like, the appliance guys who deal with, like, industrial-scale appliances, not, like, your water heater in your utility closet. Um, so those guys are all like, you know, just, you can't, you can't even get them. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense here. Uh, but you know, we we were lucky, like a lot of folks, when I was walking through the building the other day, like, you know, there were a ton of units that were doors open, dehumidifiers running, people pulling up, it's carpeting and and flooring. And like, we don't have to deal with that right now. So difficult like difficult weekend but like we're fine i just i have no idea what's going to happen with um like the repairs to the building in the next few months cuz like it, this is this was a level of i was talking to our building superintendent and he was like look we're we're in deep shit uh <laughs> like this is this is pretty Ooh, bad that's uh, not something
3: you want someone to say on the record uh (laughs) you please lie to me just you know uh, like and incapable of lying about the state of the building
2: but the one thing he did say was he was like i'm kind of glad the ceiling caved in and he was like everything down there was a piece of shit all of Mm. it was like badly designed they had Mm. like it was just Poorly specked out when they did the building conversion, like you know, thirty five years ago or whatever it was. But not and, something you'd
3: fix until something catastrophic happened,
2: right? And he's mm-hmm. like, now, and they had, they had just repaired the roof, the the ceiling of the garage a while ago, and it was expensive, but it was one of those past job repairs, like it was. They did a lot of the ceiling, but they didn't touch the underlying issues, and so there is a little part of them that's clearly like well now they have to fix it um yeah. because there's just no point in restoring that roof and leaving these issues uh where they've been so uh you know as with you know as, as anyone uh who's with like, a natural disaster and a city builder knows sometimes like it can be kind of useful that the issue's been forced and just <laughs> a ton of shit that was useful is now kind of rubble because mm-hmm. now you can build like more useful stuff in that space um and so that's that's kind of his approach to to what happened in our building but yeah so interesting times here uh you know love living here uh feel good about continuing to invest in it and <laughs> continuing to uh like make little make little upgrades to it
3: um, yeah you know, man, for you to do what you just did to your place and then immediately have an enormous storm come through and disrupt the foundations of your building that is just
2: that's just life baby oh yeah uh it's 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 real good uh so let's see um I've been playing a little bit just just to that. I've been playing a little bit of an, I think it's still early access strategy strategy game called Against the Storm, uh, which is a fantasy survival city builder, uh, which is like very very cool. Uh, it, like it basically the conceit is it's it's kind of like a, it's frost punky but like a much deeper city builder than frostpunk is like frostpunk is basically just like straight worker allocation and then like a lot of atmosphere this is much more you have to build a functioning like craft economy to build the things your city needs and your workers not all the same basically like you got little beaver folks you got humans and you got <laughs> lizard people uh and like there are jobs and trades that some are like more suited for others Mm -hmm. than others. So like (laughs) beavers are like, Hey, you need somebody to go cut down a forest. Beaver's your guy. Uh, and they're also like your sort of like first choice for engineering jobs. Um, but the, the, the other thing that comes into play is uh, like, uh, of course, A lot of like a lot of uh, goods are sort of drawing from similar pools. Uh, There's a lot of resources to balance. The three populations have like different preferences and needs. Uh, So like making a city that's like amenable to all of them is tricky. Um, There's you know, there's like it is viable to sort of min max where you're like, I am just going to live without the bonus you get from like. Having a settlement teeming with beavers, <laughs> and I'm going all in on uh like humans and lizards, and like you can do that too, and like accept those trade offs uh but that has, it like the thing I will say for it is that um in addition to being like really pretty the the idea is you were like the last settlement standing. In the face
1: you of like the, you are the
3: viceroy, a leader charged by the scorched queen to reclaim the wilderness and discover lost riches for the smoldering city, civilization's last bastion against the blight storm that destroyed the old world.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. Yeah. Wow, that's the game. That's <laughs> I'm like, I love the scorched queen. Tell me what you want. Is uh, she hot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, she is pissed. uh she'll give you little missions. But like you have little things where it's like the scorched queen is getting impatient with your lack of progress.
3: <laughs> is there a scorched queen like meter at the bottom? That's you bet just, your ass. Um, there's a scorched
2: queen meter at the yeah, bottom. Uh, yeah, the scor- you can just track. You can just track <laughs> the scorched queen's growing anger. Amazing. Uh, so it's got it, it, like you know the 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 blight storm is basically like it's big rain. Like, you're running a little settlement and just, like, trying to survive a, a big, heavy rainstorm. Uh, the the other thing that I haven't gotten far enough to see how this is all going to work out, but it appears that, like, you know, you're building your shelter in the, wil- in the woods. You're in the wilderness. But, like, the woods also have their own interests. And they are watching you. And so as you intrude more and more on the woods uh like the woods kind of awaken and begin pushing back on you uh which is another another angle to this where the more you just start like clear cutting to make space for a bigger and more sensible like settlement layout uh like the more you begin triggering environmental hostility uh but it that's been that's been a fun game to be to be getting into it was really really fit my weekend uh as we sort of as we sort of bunker down here um beyond that like i am curious uh like ren i noticed that you had like i was a little worried honestly i was concerned you had fallen down a bad instagram rabbit hole
0: no (laughs) that would be really funny though if I had become a, like a weird Sigma grind set lady, in, yes. in, in the course <laughs> of just this weekend, just a weekend. that would be that would be incredible. Uh, no, I have not become a, a Sigma grind set queen. Uh, I'm, I've I've yet to girl boss my way into uh, crushing all my enemies underfoot. I have been playing though. Your only move is hustle, which is a. Uh, Turn-based fighting game would probably be the most accurate way to describe it. Uh, the developers call it Chess 2, which I think is very funny. <laughs> um, that already exists. They already made a Chess 2. I know. But the, Kato, this, your only move is Hustle is coming for the throne. <laughs> the, the title of Chess 2 will be upon it, bestowed upon it. Um, basically, your only move is Hustle is a... Um, game designed almost entirely for multiplayer and is a fighting game that pauses every i'm gonna say quarter of a second maybe uh and allows you to select your inputs from like a list of commands Uh, and it gets to the core of what fighting games are which is that like it it leans into the fact that like when you are hitting someone in a fighting game it is quote unquote your turn. This is a very common parlance in like F- in the FGC is like okay that's his turn. You cannot take his turn away from him. If you try you're going to get hit, right? And so this then takes that and and literalizes it into a uh, turn-based fighting system that is like really fucking cool. It's 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 really sick. Um and also uses this like the animations really fluid. Um but it uses I, this I like hate that, stick like, figure art style. I am um, like
2: guy who's only seen Nidhog here, but <laughs>
0: it kind, yeah. it's kind of giving
1: Nidhog.
2: Yeah. So
0: yeah. it's it's so this is a this is a Renata childhood reference point. It's sure. not giving Nidhog. It's giving stick fight videos. Mm. Yeah. Um. Jow, Jow. Stick figure fight videos. Jazz
4: what I thought of. Mm, Did you see those? No. They're like early stick fight. This this is like my middle school shit, <laughs> um, that are like all like, uh, martial arts stick fight like choreography that is very yeah. fluid, yeah, that sort yeah. of thing.
0: Yeah, so yes, the the I I had a later version of that kado, um, and it here I don't know. I'll just send a video of the game in motion because I think it's it's worth seeing, uh, what it looks like when it's actually playing out. Um, because it's 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 really really sick. Uh, but there are four characters. Um, there are there is the uh, the cowboy uh, who has a sword and a gun. And he has a katana and a gun. There's the ninja. There's the wizard, and then there's the robot. And all of these fall into like the four main fighting game archetypes, uh, which are uh, the robot is a grappler who straight up steals half of Potemkin from Guilty Gear's kit. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? I respect that. I respect just taking Potemkin. Um, the uh, ninja is a... Oh, God. I guess you could call them a mix-up character, but not really. Um, then just like your chips enough. Um, I'm just gonna use Guilty Gear reference points. And then the cowboy is a Shoto, which is like a Ryu uh, just all around her. And then the wizard is a owner. And so it gives you all four basic fighting game archetypes and then puts them into this totally different context where it's basically gives the illusion of really high level fighting gameplay uh, to people who do not have the execution requirements to do so. Uh, and it's 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 really neat.
4: What is happening? Okay, they're playing this. They're playing their choices fast forward as well in this little video you sent us. I was trying to (laughs) parse how they how how you make the choices, but you're you're picking in like directional input and it's like as if yeah you're saying like this is the direction I would be holding plus these are the buttons I would be hitting on like on a is it like a frame by frame basis or just like in sequence.
0: Once every quarter second. So quarter like quarter second, okay. Yeah. So you'll select your move and it will play out the move and you can either like it'll you know, it goes a set amount of time forward into the future, which means that like if you decide you want to cancel that shit with like a burst uh, or a Roman cancel, uh, they're not called Roman cancels, but they're just Roman
4: cancels. But that's no, what they are. This is yeah, this feels very guilty cancels. gear focused specifically.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um you can do so. Uh and it's 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 extremely Extremely engaging. Uh Kata, we should, we should play this yeah. uh, at some point. That was Especially because only like it's only like five bucks. Um, and it's just like, I don't know. I think if fighting games are really hard for you to parse, like how people, like what the what's actually happening and like how people are doing this. Playing your only move as hustle will give you an idea of why people like fighting games as much as they do. Um, and it is that like the input isn't the problem. It is the actually the trying to think in seven directions at once. Mm -hmm. Um, that is the, that is the difficulty there.
4: Oh, it tells you what your advantages and everything too. That's Mm -hmm. great. Yeah, it does. That's very funny.
2: Yeah, this, this looks really, really cool. Um, you should, you should do, you should, you should do this. I'm curious to see this in motion as well. Like, Because like, I will say the little little videos on the Steam page are not helping me follow <laughs> quite as well as I might as well as I might wish. Uh, so I'd, I'd be curious to see how this, this plays out in motion. Um, Pat, you've been playing a little something called Rhythm Sprout.
3: Yes, uh this is uh, a game that uh Kato and I played yeah. uh as part of uh Steam Next Fest uh, I think was uh, which actually is going on this week Kato which we Yeah, I was I was just and, I that's what yeah, I was saying yeah, yeah. earlier. We haven't had that meeting yet Steam, that, that's after the podcast. Steam
4: is throwing you a birthday <laughs> a birthday party. They are. <laughs> I love the
3: de- I love the demo fest. Yeah, Those streams that that we've have done have been, been really uh, always good. A, uh really a fun. really 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 good fun uh time. So yeah, this is um yeah, uh, Rhythm Sprout is a, I don't know, like, the, the the framing is very loose. You are some sort of little onion character that needs to go save your kingdom, yada, yada, yada. Onion It's an Knights. excuse for, uh, yes, Onion Knights. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's an excuse for you to go off on this little quest and to hit a couple of buttons on your controller f- to, uh, you know, play this kind of basic mu- music rhythm game. Like, these games live and die based on... The note charts and frequently what I find myself bouncing off of music rhythm games are the note charts just not feeling very satisfying. I've articulated this point before, but like their difficulty in games uh, is so really challenging when you're measuring it on the note chart, because when you're going like easy, medium, hard, or if you want to use it as the rubric, what you're trying to balance between is that when you're hitting tap, 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 you want it to reflect in some way the music that is playing alongside it and also be challenged. But uh too off, often I am found find that th- developers get that wrong or the note charts air too side too much on the side of abstraction. Um in which like, oh this is kind of what it's like. And it's like, no, like if I'm here, I want to uh I want to actually feel like I'm participating or I'm part of the music in some way. But then if it swings over to the harder side, it becomes just like da 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 and you know, like go go look up someone playing Dragon Force on Guitar <laughs> Hero or something like that. It's like I'm not there. I need like somewhere like frequently I find like my difficulty like preference is somewhere between medium and hard, mm-hmm. and so it's always nice when you can find a game that hits that sweet spot. And in Rhythm Sprout, you have uh so like on the Steam Deck, you can also obviously use a, a, a keyboard uh, because it's I think it's only out on PC at the moment. Um, it's like I hit the A button, I hit the down button on the D-pad and those are my like left and right uh, uh, buttons on the beat. And then there is, you can hit one of the trigger buttons and that is what is kind of like a dodge. Occasionally the game has sort of like a combat mode, which is just a different set of beats that you're hitting that are, are maybe have less to do with the music and are more about like whatever weirdo cookie has been manifested itself <laughs> and is now trying to k- kill you. Um, and, uh, and then there are also what they call like, shadow beats which is basically like uh moments in which you would need to be more precise on your timing because if you bleed over you know like this like many other rhythm games is judging you as like okay good perfect based on like how closely you're tapping alongside exactly when it wants you to hit and you get a little uh You know, you can kind of fudge it a little bit, but then you have to really be precise when you have these shadow beats because you're going to be penalized for it. And what's interesting about this one is it also has a health meter. So as you're missing beats, you're actually kind of taking damage. You need to get back on rhythm and get a combo going so that you can gain that health back. So it has some additional layers of mechanics, especially for a game that has no licensed music. Like it is entirely relying on the original music that is here. Um, That stuff is a little hit or miss, but I find it to be more charming than not. And uh, so I've played... I don't know, two hours or so is kind of a, a good game to, to play when my my kids are are watching something because I can pick it up and do two or three stages, feel like I've accomplished something and and move on to the next one. Nice. Um so yeah, it's good. <laughs> it was uh I liked it when we played the demo yeah. and I'm I'm happy to to recommend it here in, in full uh release, especially if a game like Hi-Fi Rush has gotten you itching to just play a bunch of music games. Right. Like me. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm I just desperately try to finish. Yeah, you got back here. Well, and I, dro- <laughs> I dropped Hi-Fi Rush because I, music rhythm games, especially ones that are going to be uh, riffing off of a Devil May Cry or a Bayonetta, like are so much, you can't just like leave and come back. Like you mm. have to be, in, you have to be in conversation with the game, knowing what the combos are. And it just became clear there's a bunch of games out right now. I'm just gonna funnel all my time and energy into Dead Space, playing it on multiple platforms, <laughs> playing it on multiple versions, and then and and then when uh, we finish that, um uh you'll focus will... on Well and also I'm play I'm playing Dead Space 2008 on a stream while also playing dead space 2023 on, right. <laughs> on my own personal copy so catch up with yourself exactly <laughs> yes i'm i think i'm good for the stream that we're supposed to do today right. so i think i think i'm all right in that capacity but yes uh i'll get back to hi-fi uh rush soon uh but uh uh this is scratching that itch while i destroyed necromorph so uh highly recommended
2: yeah uh, let's talk about world war one game <laughs>
0: uh-huh <clears throat>
2: Uh-huh. Okay, you're, yeah. you're, the
0: floor is yours. That's fine.
3: I'm just—is this like more indulgent than the dreadnoughts? Like, do you, are you preparing us for something that?
0: <laughs> well, Rob wow. is making the most. Like, I'm just a little guy. It's I'm I'm just. It's Patrick's birthday, but Rob just, is making the I'm a little birthday. <laughs> birthday. <Bob's, laughs> Rob's opening a present.
2: <laughs> little little. I just love a little insouciant trench warfare. Uh, so. Last week, uh, I took part in, like, a remote demo for Petroglyph's upcoming, like, like very soon upcoming. Uh, it'll be released, I think, at the end of March. The Great War Western Front. Um, and this is a... So, Petroglyph is a studio that's descended from uh, the Westwood studio that made Command & Conquer. A lot of people who founded mm. Petroglyph, uh, which is based out of Vegas, I think, were, like, Westwood, uh, like members uh under the petroglyph uh name they made like star wars empire at war uh they made an rts that i liked quite a bit but didn't get like a lot of love uh gray goo uh which was a really cool like sci-fi rts that had like they went all in like it is it is the fucking avatar of rts games is is what i would say like this was <laughs> intent. that was intended as like a cornerstone for like a transmedia juggernaut thing that they were cooking up like oh my uh, god weta workshop was involved in like uh designing all the stuff that like you said uh, like the aesthetic of the game you said gray glue and like in my mind i just imagined something very
4: cartoonish something very like um like the blob or some bullshit but like then i looked up the <laughs> war is evolving.
1: Great. Yeah, no, it's entirely Ooh. about
2: like, it's entirely about like, humanity is in the middle of a first contact shooting war uh, with like Dino Navi oh my God. effectively. <laughs> but like, like the that way that they have that,
4: that tone just do not are not jelling in my brain
2: <laughs> and then their whole solution is like okay well we're fighting basically at the at the end of a long tether across the stars and so we're using to fabricate all our stuff uh at our bases is nanomachines and wouldn't you know it at wow. it, it midway through the game the nanomachines get jokerified
1: yeah well, and of course.
2: Uh, like become like the games game. Third faction. Anyway, Grey Goo. It's good. Didn't take off. Anyway, (laughs) petroglyph. Now they've got another blockbuster up their sleeve. They know the people have been crying out for a Great War Western Front RTS game. Give it to
0: us. We We want it. it. Please. 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 My coffers are empty. Please fill Uh, my coffers. Trenches.
2: And so they and and so they have responded uh with uh with the Great War Western Front.
0: Oh my god, my coffers are finally full. This is me being crushed under a tank. <laughs> Yay.
2: Oh man, like my my crops watered. <laughs> uh, my, my my zone rouge. Uh so the 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 thing is uh so it's 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 sort of a two-layer. It's a, it's a strategy and tactical uh, game. I hesitate to say it's, it's like a Total War system because it's actually really different from what Total War is doing. And I think one of the first things I'll call out is that a few years ago, I played one of my favorite war games uh, in, in a while. It's called Fields of Despair, France 1914-1918. Uh, it is a board game designed by Kurt Keckley. It is a block war game. Uh, And what that means is like the way block war games work is that you have little wood blocks uh, and you can see what the what's on the block, but the opposing player can't. So like, you know, dummy blocks effectively that make it Mm. look like you have troops Uh, like, but you know, like a scale, like like one to eight. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And a scale like one. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, you can have a really powerful force on a block that doesn't, Look particularly imposing, and then you might have like a small, like, group of blocks that actually don't add up to much. So, there's a, that's a huge part of that game, but and it takes place basically along the the Western Front, stretching from like the English Channel uh down to the Swiss border. And they like in, it, it feels like uh the Great War Western Front borrows a lot from this idea, it's using a on its on a strategic layer. Uh, you just control the the uh the allied powers the central powers and you push forces like most of the map is inert, right? Like there's the front line along the you know the, the, where the, where the two armies meet, and then like yeah, it's a hex board, but until the front line pushes into a space, it's kind of not relevant what's in that space. It might as well just sit empty, and so it's kind of like the 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 game exists on the strategic layer in 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 two places. You know, one is the nodes where fresh troops and forces uh, like enter the map, and then there's the front where they are sent to. Uh, And a big part of dynamics along the front are trying to sniff out. You can see how big the stacks of units are Mm -hmm. in, like, enemy hexes. But again, just like, you know, that block war game, you don't know what those little, like, chits actually stand for. You don't know what's actually in there. You don't know if the troops are good, etc. And so they have, like, a lot of mechanics for... You know, various forms of reconnaissance and espionage to try to figure out, OK, like which of these, you know, they can't be strong everywhere. There have to be gaps on this line that are soft. Where could they possibly be? But the opposing side is doing the same to you. Um, And then the other thing you're doing on the strategic map, and I think this is uh, this is kind of cool. And I think it's an important thing for a World War One game to get at. For a long time, I totally bought into the idea that like nothing really changed in World War One. Like I had this idea that I don't know, like you know, armies in Western Europe basically just sat in trenches and were like sad and wrote like sad poetry and like black. <laughs> I,
3: I watched all Quiet on the Wall- yeah. Western Front, uh, which have you watched that new one? No, I haven't. <laughs> so I'm not familiar with the other the other films, um, other than like the basic premise. Like this one strips away all the social stuff and is just basically you just want to watch how fucking miserable it is to be in these trenches. Dude, it is gorgeous. It is. And it has to be gorgeous to trick you into wanting to keep watching this. <laughs> oh, film. Yeah. And it has an amazing soundtrack. I, I listen to the sad movie soundtrack all the time because it rips. Had you I'm seen writing. 1917? The Yes, I saw 1917, but I the gimmick. I, like, it, wears it didn't work it didn't work for me after about yeah. halfway through the film it felt the more you've played a video game the less that trick worked i felt like if you didn't if you had not played a cinematic video game that like seemed more impressive than it was and frequently it just felt very convenient the one shot stuff just doesn't yeah like do do much for me unless it's like a very specific sequence that is like trying to evoke something out of like a 10 minute sustained bit but Aquan of the Western Front, the new one. Right. Play that on 4K. Like, Hell yeah. I'm win. having the best time. Rob, got you've got time these plan. next couple days. Sneak that in. It's long. Your sound system Dude, the first time when you hear a ve- you're gonna know what it is. There is a, a bit that the soundtrack returns to. It's a it's a bit of thema- thematic framing. You'll hear it come out of your speakers and you're gonna send me a message immediately. And I look
2: forward <laughs> to it. Yeah, dude, I got the best plan. Like uh my wife's out of town for a little bit. It's gonna be like me and Master and Commander. <laughs> Uh, Last of Us time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All and now All on Quiet Western on the Western Front. front. Yeah, it's going to be... <laughs> it's it's going to be a, a great week. Did you hear um, about the
4: seas? What? <laughs> Did you hear about the seas? They're battlefields now. Oh. Oh, mm-hmm. God. The oceans. Oceans. The oceans. oceans. I, thought said, <laughs> I thought you said seeds. I was like, what happened to the seeds? No, the sea, The oceans.
2: So... But the other thing you're doing in the strategic layer is, um, yeah, so, like, World War One, it is true that there wasn't a lot of, like, motion on the front line, but that is more a product of the fact that, like, as soon as somebody had an idea, it was either copied or it was parried by the other side. And so, like, a lot of the various campaigns in World War One are, like, these brief windows where somebody has an idea for, like, I think I've solved the problem of the style of trench warfare we've been fighting. And maybe they had for a minute. uh, And then the tactic is figured out and sort of answered back. But by the end of the war, they like the various sides had gone really far down a few different uh, like technological and doctrinal approaches to warfare. And that's, and that's one of the things you're doing on the strategic layer is you steadily accrue research points. And then every side has access to the same tech web And you can, for instance, invest heavily in like new technologies. Right. So you're like, I'm going to rush tanks. You can you can try to rush tanks, but it's like an expensive tech tree to go down. It's gonna be a while before you get like good tanks. And in the meantime, there's a lot of like really useful upgrades early in the tech trees for like quality of infantry or most importantly, Entrenchments, Uh, you know, at the very start of the war, they didn't really know very much about how to build entrenchments for that kind of war. Like they basically dug line trenches um, and like didn't think they'd be in them that long. And then a few years later, you know, they they had basically started building like underground cities uh, for some of the most fortified parts of the line. Uh, And that was like a technological development that happened across the war. And you're doing that on the strategic layer uh, as you play when it comes time to have like one hex attack into another hex uh you go into the battle mode and there's a preparatory phase where and this is this is kind of cool i dig this uh the damage that happens to the battlefields and the earthworks that are put up, put up mm-hmm. are permanent so like at the start of the war for instance if you're like fighting over territory that's never been fought across it's like oh it's the green fields of france right Uh, A couple battles later, all the trees are down. uh, The grass is all torn up. And, like, a few battles after that, you might have pulled, there might have been, like, a central hill in the middle of the map. A few battles after that, it seems like it's possible that the central hill might effectively have been, like, caved into nothing uh, by artillery. So all that persists. And as you play, like, you know, it will go from a few trenches to everyone sort of building out more and more involved uh, trench networks across these maps. But in the prep phase, you have a limited pool of supply points you invest in things like uh, beefing up entrenchments or calling in support weaponry, etc. And then once you're happy with their preparations, the the fighting begins and uh, sort of the, the RTSy side of it begins. And it's not too complicated. It's pretty straightforward. Um there's it's hectic enough that you'll have a little bit of like need to pay attention to a lot of things, but there is also a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of like you're just going to send a lot of like if you're on the attack, you're just selecting a lot of dudes and you're hurling them at the other trench line. <laughs> and then you're just going to assume that most of them are get gunned down. You'll hear like the, the artillery open up machine guns start uh, chattering and you'll already be ordering up the new reinforcements coming up, uh, to make the, to make the next push. Like kind of what you're doing here is the first guys, they're going to basically help you identify where machine guns are set up, where the resistance is stiffest. Uh, and you'll be able to like press on more effective artillery fire or more effective, like shock troops. Uh, and, you know, the final part of this is the defender, of course, has an advantage because, you know, trench warfare. But the other thing is to drive someone out of a hex. Every time you win a battle in a hex, they have like strength points. It's like hit points for for the space for controlling the space.
1: Mm.
2: And some spaces that are like really powerful and important, like Verdun, uh, I think have like five uh, hit points. Like it's very hard to dislodge, to dislodge anyone from that. I think some might only have like two or three, um, but it takes like you have to win battles attacking that hex like two, three times before the enemy is driven out. And crucially, they get one point back uh, at at the turn cycle. So if you come close and you have them teetering. They're going to get. They're going to get at least one more like try to hold their ground, mm-hmm. uh, come the next turn. So, you're gonna have to need to be able to sustain your attack for that like extra, extra push, uh, to drive them out. Like, it's very hard to get someone out of a, a, a well defended hex in a single turn. So, it's gonna take like a lot of like crowbarring them out of there. Um, which is kind of a, a like a nifty element to again get this notion of like. It's just hard to like get things moving on this front.
0: Uh, can I do a few questions that I yeah.
2: that I'm left with after all of?
0: Okay, so first mm-hmm. on the RTS layer, you said that a lot of it is just sending waves of dudes to go get owned. Yeah. Uh, on the attack side, right? D- <sighs> is that like good for you? Is that like does that like land for you?
2: Uh, it's. <laughs> So this is the funny thing, you know, this is a pretty like I'm gonna say lightweight, but not in a pejorative sense. Mm -hmm. It's like I would say it's a focused game, and it is not these these battles are not meant to be like full mission set pieces or as impressive as like a total war battle. So for one thing, it's like it lands in part because it is such like a simple abstraction of the type of combat that it that it kind of works, it doesn't overstay its welcome. And two, like there's just enough going on that it is satisfying to try and figure out like okay like my guys are getting cut up what's doing most of the damage to them like what are the things I can suppress that will let some guys get through
0: I'm thinking back to um, God what was that I don't think it was a World War 1 I. I think it was a World War 2 game you played set in Italy mm-hmm. like like months and months ago and talking about the company feeling of heroes no it was not company it was a first person shooter so
2: no yeah. sniper early.
0: no no i think kato's correct
2: what is it yen Enzo or something like that oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay yeah that's world war one yes
0: yeah where people are getting like planked away from a yeah. hundred meters by like one guy with a rifle I'm sorry yenzo is a,
4: is a is a kingdom hearts character yeah, you're Asanzo.
0: Yeah, Isonzo. Isonzo. Yes. You. Oh my
4: god. <laughs> it's just, it's in
0: there, Patrick.
4: Sometimes it comes out on accident.
0: <laughs> simple and, listen, simple and clean is the way the Kato is feeling today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that aside, does, do true. Okay, so my understanding of World War I combat is pretty limited, right? It is, it is pretty much just guys running at each other in trenches against machine gun emplacements, right? Yeah. Does it feel like there is, are there other people doing other things, right? Like, do you have snipers who are doing their own thing? Do you have units who are doing more than just throwing themselves into a meat grinder? Or is it mostly the meat grinder?
2: So it's, to a degree it's the meat grinder, but, uh so there's a few things, like, one of the things they developed along the, along the course of the war, and you will have access to these troops, is, they realized like riflemen are not, not necessarily the best guys at storming trenches. So like you would have like the Germans develop stormtroopers around this period, you know, like light, fast infantry backed up by like flamethrowers uh, turn out to be really good at clearing fortified positions. Uh So they start investing in those. So like part of it is going to be. Getting your specialist trench clearing units into range so they can start like so they can get into the trench network and start busting it open Uh, But the other thing is like, kind of what you are doing is if the dudes are just charging into machine guns, they're going to get they're going to get massacred like that is all you are going to be accomplishing. Part of what you're going to be doing uh, is you're going to be calling in artillery strikes to try and give your guys basically cover to get into get into the enemy trench network and like cover that ground. And so that's that's kind of the part that lands is, you know. Basically, it's like if it is just your dudes running headlong into machine guns for the entire battle, you, you've made a mistake, right? What you've got to be doing is when those first troops go over, uh, I'll be honest, their odds are not good. Like the, the first guys in the attack, like <laughs> the odds of that going well for them is pretty poor. But what you're going to be looking at is like, where are they getting hit from? You know what I mean? Like it's too expensive to cover every inch of the front line with like machine gun nests and such. So it's like there are going to be positions you identify that like, okay, what's actually causing most of these guys to go down is like a group of positions over here. So what are my tools to deal with it? Uh, Well, if you have like a uh, artillery like observation balloon up and hovering above the battlefield you'll be able to see into the enemy trench line and see where they're like generating a lot of that defensive fire from. Is that real? Yeah.
0: Wow. Can you shoot those down?
2: Yeah, this is, you sure can. This is, this is, (laughs) this is one of the things that a ton of world war one air combat was like about was the fact that, uh, like they're called like barrage balloons. Um, Mm. but you would, you would have, uh, like balloon busting missions go out to try and knock those like positions down. And then you would have defensive fighter missions come out and try to chase off enemy fighters to uh prevent that from, from happening.
0: This this may be apocryphal, but I do have a question about World War One aerial combat and, and yeah. related to this. World War One aerial combat, th- they have developed like plane mounted machine guns at this point?
1: Or they are we still in these during the
2: course it, okay. starts, it starts at what you were illustrating. So Renata is holding a pistol or like making a hand <laughs> into a pistol. Excuse me. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, Wait, Carter, do you not know about this? It's the, no. it's the fucking sickest shit on the planet.
2: <laughs> yeah. So at the start of the war, basically, like it is just inherently useful to get eyes in the sky. And so you would have like planes fly over. But then it would be like, I wish that hostile observer was not flying overhead. So we'll send another guy up in a plane to shoot that other guy. And at the very at the very outset of this, it is literally dudes with like pistols, uh, like pulling planes up nearby each other and like taking pot shots at each other. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, it, Like World War One air combat begins as like road road rage in the sky.
0: <laughs> Pl- plane mounted machine guns are really hard. That's it's sure, hard to yeah. control the recoil, among other things. It was, like, so it's-,
2: it's the timing belt. Right. So this was the uh, the big. So the next solution was you would have a second guy in the plane working a mounted machine gun. Mm hmm. Uh and even that was dangerous cuz like you know how it gets when you're just like going dakka 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 and you kind of like lose track of what you're doing and so there's a possibility <laughs> you just sort of like shoot through your own tail uh <laughs> or like parts of your wing. Oh no. That could happen. But also the bigger thing is it's just not the most aerodynamic thing to have a dude standing up in the back of your plane with a machine no. gun. Right. Uh and You know, it's tough to maneuver when there's a guy standing up in the back of your plane working machine gun. So obviously the (laughs) best thing would have been to have like uh, machine guns facing forward, but those would destroy the propeller. So a whole bunch of engineering went into creating machine guns that were synced up with the uh, RPM of the prop so that the machine guns could fire safely through the gaps in the uh, propellers as it spun.
0: Which is sick as shit. Very it is, sick. It, is, it is. It is. It is really fucking cool. But I am glad that there is an era at the beginning. Does the game model the fact that at the beginning of the war there are motherfuckers with pistols in there? Because I don't know that specific it is,
2: but like this is one of the things. Like the start of the game, fighters don't even exist, right? And then uh, later you're gonna have the ability to call in like interceptors to chase off guys who are trying to like bust up your balloons.
0: Crack me from all. Isn't. This could be uh, Renata Association only, but didn't the uh, Soviet night witches also not have machine guns on their plane in World War II, and exclusively like hand dropped
2: bombs? Oh, I can't remember. uh, I think that's true. I can't remember. The night witches are so fucking cool. Yeah, but I also just think that the Soviets had really good ground attack fighters.
0: (laughs) Kato. Have you ever heard of the Night Witches?
2: No. Kato has heard of the Night Witches, the Night, Night Witches Sisters. of Dathomir, Dathomir. <laughs> the Night yeah. Sisters, yeah,
0: <laughs> the Force, the Force
4: uh, Witches of Dathomir.
0: <laughs> the uh, of the Night Witches were a uh, Soviet air brigade uh, in World War II, uh, made up entirely of women, uh, and who were given the worst equipment possible, uh, <laughs> and were wildly successful uh, wow. as bombers because they were given such shitty planes that they were able to f- fly so low and slow that other like actual like fighters could not hit them yeah. because you can't, they were too slow to hit in a dog fight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, um. Wow. So anyway, so, like, you will have, you know, as your first waves hit and get cut up, what you'll be doing there is you'll be identifying, okay, so this strong point is really causing problems. I'm going to call in artillery barrage to suppress it. I'm going to call in targeted artillery on these two, like, machine gun nests. And now the defensive fire is slacked down so much that, like, your next wave starts to get in. And so it is kind of satisfying to have that, that experience of um, it's like you're you sort of get in with your fingernails at first you know you're just barely Mm -hmm. clinging to like the outer extent of their defenses but like now the lane is open and if you can just hold on a little bit longer your next waves of reinforcements won't even take any damage if they can get into the enemy like earthworks Mm -hmm. and then you just start like working forward because the like once you are in a trench network, the whole thing's designed to defend from the outside. It gets way harder to defend against enemies who are like working their way through it. And so that is, you know, that that's kind of where things kind of get interesting on the attack on the defensive. Frankly, it is a little more my speed. I find a little more fun to be like, where shall I dig the most effective trenches? Where shall I create my little strong points, et cetera? It's a bit like a bit tower defense-y. Uh But yeah, it, uh, you know, it, it all worked pretty well for me. Um I, I think both levels of the game are simple enough and like fairly straightforward, but like produce pretty like readable uh situations and dilemmas for you to respond to and your and your decisions are pretty big, right? Like the 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 choices you make are are it's not like you were adding 1% of efficiency at a time, you know, you slightly better trench, slightly better inventory. It's like you are, you know, the, the choices you were making are pretty profoundly changing how you're going to like mm-hmm. be able to play on the next turn or like come the next battle, uh, which is, which is cool. Uh, I don't know how, I don't know how this game is going to be received. Like for me, I, I, I love reading about World War One. I. I think it's a really interesting topic. I think, you know, everything I saw seemed pretty neat, but I'm not going to lie. It's also a very, a very straightforward game uh, in in a lot of ways. And I'm so curious, like what people make of it. And, you know, to your point, Ren, like I am also curious how much it's going to land over the course of like a full campaign. You know, the, the concept is neat. It's going to be a concept that works for, you know, many, many turns over the course of a, you know, four and a half year war. I don't know. Yeah. Uh But I guess we will we will see when it comes out uh, in in March. But for now, we are going to take a little break back after this. And we're back. Uh, You know, let's let's dip into the question bucket and uh, and see see what little treasures our readers have sent us. Remember, you can send (laughs) us all your questions at GamingAdvice.com with the subject line questions. Let's start with this one. David from Indianapolis writes, Dear Waypoint Crew. As a Midwesterner who spends too little time traveling and too much time listening to podcasts, I hear a lot about how certain foods, pizza, tacos, hot dogs, bagels, ramen, you name it, become poorer imitations of the real thing the further inland they're made. I've got to know from all of you Midwest-born waypointers, which foods are truly better on the East and West Coasts, and how would you describe the difference? Are there any that you found to be overhyped? Love you and all that you do. David from Indianapolis. I have very strong feelings about this, but I'm curious if other folks do.
0: As the let's think Midwesterners here is is you, Patrick and myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, in my experience, I don't think any of that shit is overhyped. I most of most of the food I grew up with was was pretty much L's across the board. If I'm being (laughs) honest, it was it was it was dark. It was it was it was not good. And since moving, I will say pizza, bangers, bagels, night and day. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you doing a comedy joke to me right now? Night and day. Ramen also just straight up better. Sorry, dog. It's dark out there.
2: Yeah, this is where the um, this is where the difference between like Chicago And, like, other parts of the Midwest, I think, becomes really, really salient. Because the thing I will say is, man, most of the shit is wildly overhyped. Like, it is. Like, New Yorkers will go on about their pizza, and it's like, you eat a different pizza. And they'll be like, the only real pizza is in New York. And it's like, it's a style of pizza. But, like, it isn't the only (laughs) style of pizza. And, like, you're actually being incredibly parochial uh, about it. And so, like, you, you encounter things like that where there's certain, like, regional types of food that are equally good. They're just different in Chicago uh, than mm-hmm. they are on the coasts. Uh, and that's just that's sort of a fact of life. Tacos is interesting because here's my actual theory about tacos. It's not coastal. It's not coastal versus Midwest. It is just purely regional. Like it is, there are regions within regions. Like, I will tell you this. Um, there are amazing, like, places to get, uh, like Mexican food in the Bay Area, for instance. But I would not say the Bay Area writ large is like a hub <laughs> of, like, amazing, no, it's like, like certain food, d- like districts like, within San Francisco, uh,
3: Oakland, that can be true. But one of my favorite illustrations of how, like, uh, Region, my my favorite burrito living out there was this place called Cancun Taqueria. I was introduced to it when I lived or worked at One Up. It was down on Market Street, like Seventh, like basically one, like you you leave just past the trolley stop and just oh they just don't send like it just gets like you know much gnarlier over there like it's like oh here here's like San Francisco pristine and like or as pristine as San Francisco tries to illustrate itself and then past Seventh Street it gets uh, uh a little dicier. and. That place was like a spot we'd go to get our our burritos all the time. Fell in love with it. Then I ended up living further down uh, uh, into San Francisco. And there was another Cancun Taqueria that was off the uh, 14th and Mission uh, uh, Bart Stop. And the, the Cancun sort of like went along Mission Street at that point. And I remember when my wife and I first got a burrito from there, I was like, great, another one of these. It's even closer right next to our apartment. It was like, hey, this one's spicier. And then we're like, there's a third one. Let's take it. Let's take the Bart further, down, or like the, the down to go try that out. And basically, like as it got less white, the food got <laughs> spicier along mission. Where by the time we went to the third Cancun taqueria, what my wife, he, like she wants her, her mouth to be on fire when she's eating spicy food. Like that is she's just the one, and yeah, I, it's I just God want a, I just want a <laughs> little bit of it. I want like almost it's just flavor as opposed to like heat in my mouth necessarily, um, and. I got there, her standard order was too far, had to be re- recalibrated. My, my, what was my normal order, like, was borderline, like, hey, this is, <laughs> this is too much for me. I need to go back to the, to the wider areas where, <laughs> where the spice was hitting my level. And it was just interesting, like, even uh, along that track, how much the same, like, family owned chain was, was changing just based on, like, whether you were going eight to nine streets deeper into the city.
2: Like, the 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 weird thing is, like my favorite burritos in my life were placed on Calumet Avenue, like on um, like in Hammond, Indiana, of yeah. of all places. And I've been places that like have the have reputation for like having great burritos, but like. This place was just better, but there wasn't anything like special about it. It was just a it was a random place next to a grocery store where I worked. That can't, can't was it can't
3: be like-, like the coast relate like if the coast raised the floor on certain types of food, right? Like I think that's that that is as a Midwesterner who moved out to the West Coast and lived in San Francisco, the Bay Area, and L.A. for the better part of a decade. Part of what was so illustrative about that and got me really widened the palate on a lot of foods I tried was the Midwest, especially living in, like the suburbs. Uh, you know is like it's a buffet you're gonna find any type of food you want but there's um. no guarantee that it's gonna be any good you want to find sushi don't worry you can find a sushi place doesn't mean that's the sushi you should be eating you can find a ramen place doesn't mean it's the ramen so what it, all is to say is that like i tried lots of different foods growing up and none of it hit because frequently you're running into places that were they're serving it but not necessarily serving a great version of it. And when I went to the West Coast, that's where I fell in love with things like sushi. And then I I had a better palate for when I moved back. I was like, look, this place ain't it. You want sushi? It's like, you know, like that's not the place to go. But I was able to find one, you know, another mile away that actually hit the spot.
0: The thing that I will say is that, like, as someone who grew up in rural Ohio, in terms of the options, they just straight up weren't like yeah. every food that I truly like. Now, I do not have I, I whenever I visit Ohio, I just don't have access to it. Like like full stop, do not have access to
2: the pretty worst much the majority desert, of my diet now. the first the worst food desert I've ever been in was uh, like Decatur, Illinois. Uh, So, Patrick, this is like a 40 minute. Uh, drive oh, I know away I'm familiar the, with that. I've driven from, through
3: Decatur. I never spent any time in
2: Decatur, but I'm so <laughs> aware of the highway. Markets. If you're in the U of I belt, you have yeah. access to all the college town stuff and all that. Yes. If you move outside that belt, you are in like if you want to get fancy food, you're going to the big Walmart like 30 miles away. That is it. because well, the colleges became their own cities. Right. And then and then the outlying rural communities, there's just nothing there's Uh, and they don't produce food. They produce industrial soybean. So like there are parts of the Midwest where you're right, Like, like you and I are talking about this, this like greater Chicagoland where like it's all there to some varying degree. But yeah, execution is is variable. But like outside of that, there are places where it's just like there's nothing.
0: Yeah, no, I grew up in a there's nothing place, which is why I have such strong opinions about. I mean, it's like it's the the core thing is that it's not actually about to me. It's not about like the region that you're in. It is so much about like what Rob's alluding to here, the underlying economy of the place that you were talking about. Right. Like the town I grew up in had pretty had pretty good Mexican food. And that's it. Um, That is what that is what we had in terms of like. Okay food uh that was like owned by a person as opposed to fast food restaurants. So it was fast food restaurants, local diners that were dying, one of which yep. I worked at, uh, and then Mexican food. Yep
4: uh, I think. hmm Sorry. Uh I, I was just gonna say I think the the real thing is not uh like Midwest and Coast, it's just like density, right? Because you yeah, you when you're talking about like Chicago and stuff, it's like there's just gonna be Naturally, more people, which means also both more immigrants that are opening up shops and
2: uh, well, more options just through that, right? But there's a weird – but there is a weird, like, crossover point where it's got to be dense but relatively cheap. You know what I mean? Like, right. you got to have, like, a lot of people living in a place, but, like – not necessarily paying all that much to like lease a restaurant space or mm-hmm. something cuz like cuz then that's when like cities start to start they start to feel like a mall food court yeah. uh is when a lot of those like family owned places get like driven out Man. and it gets like ch- chainified uh which is a 100% like what happened in some of my favorite places in Boston it was just like okay like now all the local places have been replaced by like uh national or regional chains and that sort of thing but yeah i i i think You know, I think like people like, for instance, it is a lot of fun, especially if you adopt uh, if you're like, I moved to New York and I'm the the biggest New York stand now or I moved to L.A. And like L.A. is the best. Like people from New York don't know shit. And also fuck people from the Bay Area. Like, it's fun to adopt that and all that stuff. But like. It's not true. Like, it's like there are some places that are that are going to be exceptional uh some places that aren't I, the thing i will say and maybe this has changed a bit i know it's changed a bit cuz i when i visit my parents out in like northern indiana i can see that this this change has gone through but when i was first visiting california on the regular um i had never seen produce like that like it, it like i can't like i don't know how to explain to you that when i was growing up like you went to the grocery store and the produce section had like bell peppers, iceberg lettuce, broccoli, cauliflower, onions. That was kind of it. Like that's that's yeah. what was there. Like the first time somebody shows you like frisee and you're like what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, what, what what is this? Oh, this is this is curly endive. What? What's an endive? Explain to me what what's what's endive? Uh like all these sorts of things that is that's kind of the thing that uh kind of caught me off guard is that there's just a lot of stuff that uh, gets taken for granted, especially I would say out on the West coast where there's just ready access to uh the agricultural engine of the U S Um and that that's the thing that like is harder to replace in the Midwest, but it's a lot better now. It's weird. Like you go to a, you know, you go to a local um, grocery store in Indiana now and They've got a lot of the same stuff in their produce section that used to be like you'd have to go to a Whole Foods. Um, and yeah, like when we go to Wisconsin, there's
3: nowhere to eat. Like the town that like we spend most of our time in, there's a bar and another bar. Do you like bar food? Those are Those are your restaurant options. But like over the course of my lifetime, like the local groceries, like to your point, Rob, have become – like much better to sort of reflect the lack of because that it's a tourist economy and so in in that area and so of course like the kind of the bars are the engine of that area to feed and uh, give drinks to people who are going out into a lake and it doesn't it doesn't really matter like you don't really need anything more than that for people who are coming up for the weekend um, and that gets sort of you know supplied by then the grocery stores for people who want to try and make up for that by you know at least producing stuff at home.
2: I'll say this when I'm in when I'm part when there are parts of Brooklyn though that I'm like I don't know what I would call this a food desert but I will say it is tough to get access to some some of this stuff <laughs> oh
0: hundred uh, yeah, percent
2: like and so that that is a weird thing I think that maybe is also to the point about like at a certain point when it get when you get that expense crossover uh thing mm. suddenly it's like there's sort of the basics that pop up at like uh the corner store and then it's like. I must steal myself for my long journey to the big Whole Foods somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the municipal zone. Yeah. Um, That's but, thing We yeah. got,
4: we got, we got transit up the wazoo. So it's like, you can, you can find it, but it's not walkable.
2: Yeah. It's like, right. you got to get on a train. <laughs> we're taking, a, we're taking expedition to the, to the Wegmans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Wegmans. God. <laughs> you have to drive
4: yeah. to get to that one. There's no, oh, it's not on transit. No, there's no fucking trains that go out there the fucking navy yard there's 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 no close by there's maybe a bus oh
2: it's a wegman's navy yard thing
4: the, the yeah the do you know where the brooklyn navy yard is in your in your mind oh, map yeah. of used to brooklyn walk, i used to walk
2: by there all the time
4: yeah like that's where the wegmans is like there's no trains over there yeah the only no, way to get it's there real is real your- weird
2: it's like it's like the elbow of brooklyn yes that yes. like just none <laughs> this of, weird. none of the zone. circulatory system touches it
4: not not at all <laughs> yeah. um and and um, thus it's one of the only grocery stores i've ever been to in new york that has a fucking parking lot
2: <laughs> okay uh all right Cor- hey Corey from south florida writes hey waypoint Mm, I thoroughly enjoyed Rob's detailed explanation of the Dreadnought style ship, but found I was unable to retain most of the details of his exceptional explanation because I was brought back to a vivid memory from high school. In school, during a fairly routine book sale from the school's library, one of my fr- friends picked up a copy of a nonfiction book which simply, which had simply Dreadnought as the title along the spine. There was no dust jacket. The book was a hardcover, weathered, aged, and easily over a thousand pages, making it extremely heavy and cumbersome. It became a running joke to slip the Dreadnought into a fellow student's backpack and hope they wouldn't notice until the bell rang and they had to leave for class lugging this giant tome with them (laughs) To next period. This recurring prank coupled nicely with another one when a student wasn't paying attention, you'd remove all the contents from the main pocket of their backpack turn the backpack inside out, return all the contents exactly Mm. as they were, and zip it back up as basically making a backpack burrito that you had to carry (laughs) to your next class because the straps were no longer accessible. One glorious day, somebody got both their backpack flipped, which was the term for this, and the dreadnought inserted, getting both flipped and dreadnoughted. This was by far the pinnacle of high school pranks for our group. Did y'all ever participate in any fairly innocent pranks during your times at school? Thanks. All the best, Corey from South Florida. Well, Corey, you know, if any of you had ever cracked that book open, you might have fucking learned something because what? Dreadnought <laughs> by Robert Massey uh, is one of the best works Holy on this shit. topic. And that is one oh. of the most enjoyable uh, history works that you could, oh, you could possibly have come into come into oh, contact God. with. Uh-huh. Uh, but and yet, and yet you used it high for school, prank. high school. It was this funny is high school, you. Rob,
3: just, just seething that every day. Why won't they dreadnought me? Why won't <laughs> they give it to me, to Rob? I want it. I want the book. And, and just never. never Rob's never too busy
4: collecting yet. money. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, a bunch of innocent. Yeah, it a very innocent,
3: playful prank. Playful prank, Rob.
1: <laughs>
2: t- taking dreadnought off the off the lunch table and just braining somebody with it, and then being like, uh, "The book fell on him."
1: Oh no. Hmm.
0: I was trying to think. I did. Some, I did some weird shit in the engineering program. Like that's where I spent most of my time in high school. Was in our engineering classroom, and I did some. I did some. I did some mean things there. I will say. I will. I will. I don't remember what they. I don't remember all of them. Um. This isn't a prank, but there was one time where I was head of the uh, robotics team and I was suggesting I was doing a bit where I was like, oh, we should make the uh, the robot run on blood magic and started drawing sigils up on the on the board. And I think this is what led to probably my favorite interaction from high school, which is the day I was leaving to go to my college classes like halfway through the day. I'm walking out and I pass the lunch line. Some guy goes, hey, aren't you the wizard guy? (laughs) A man who I'd never met before Asked me if I was the wizard guy And I was like Yeah Yeah I am the wizard guy (laughs) And then I walked out of the building And then the last day of the school year I walked past the choir room And I hear out of the corner of my ear Hey look it's the wizard guy And then I said you know it Did finger guns and again (laughs) Walked out of the building This wasn't a prank but it was one of the many Running bits that I had and so, you know what, those, that, 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 that's, that's my contribution.
3: The closest I can think of is, um, there was this in high school. Yeah. There was this, uh, one of like the sp- speech classes we had to take, you know, just about giving speeches. And I don't, I can't remember the, the, the guy's name, but, uh, he was not all there. Like, it, you know, and it was not quite not, like, even looking back at it now, not quite sure what it, exactly how you would sort of diagnose what was happening, but, it was enough like his class was always chaos. He was one of those teachers that was just like had no if you got into you like you got to sign that teacher like great jack shit's happening for the next like <laughs> semester like to the point where we became a running bit to um, see if you could get away with giving the same speech twice like one person would write it and if you didn't have to give it that day you would just hand that speech off to somebody else and. And he would you would just you would, ju- you would and you got you get like three or four people deep into giving the exact same like two minute speech up there wow. strategically placed over several days. Uh-huh. Uh, and then one time he did fe- like kind of put it together and was retroactively mad and like threatened to take away the like the speeches of like the grades from the previous kids, but basically just tried to ban the practice going forward. And this this became so prevalent that we were also around the corner was the library. And we would rent, you could rent cameras. And so we would take a camera and we would zip up the backpack so just the lens was kind of like sticking out, put that into the back of the classroom, and then this would just amp up the chaos factor for all of the kids because they would just – we would all know the camera's there. We were all in on the bit. Mm. And so just constant interruptions, just it just a, a nightmare of a classroom. Um, but, uh, you know, got my A, moved on, and uh, <laughs> had my fun.
2: Yeah, I would say like um, my town didn't so much do like people in my high school didn't so much do like pranks as like just vandalism. Yeah. Like that's the like, it's I think
3: when I think about my high school, like, do time. you want me to like tell you about the various really horrible things that wouldn't be funny to talk about that happened at the school? Like, yeah. not, like I, that's more of what comes to mind <laughs> yeah. when I think yep. of high school. Um, and it, ours was a football driven high school. So just, you can just start
0: extrapolating from there. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Uh, I did, yeah, go for
0: it. I remembered a real prank. I do, I do have a single, a single <laughs> okay. real prank. The real prank was over the course of several months, my best, high school best friend Grant and I um, started using the phrase, doesn't that just really make you think? Um, and over the course of months, uh, around one person uh, named Aaron, uh, and over the course of months, we would escalate it very slowly the frequency that we were saying doesn't that just make you think uh until i think like three months deep we were saying it at least once every 15 minutes or once every five minutes and then eventually started to continue escalating literally hanging off of one another (laughs) going doesn't that just really make you think uh and it it eventually went from a prank to a bit, but there was the prank period where he did feel like he was he was slightly losing his mind with the frequency, <laughs> <laughs> and and I can, that was the the prank became a bit, and that's how you know it was worth it, you know.
3: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's one. Uh, this is not at high school, but the similar sort of thing where you, you're just not quite sure what's going on. Uh, my brother-in-law came to visit one time in uh, in Chicago, and we went out to a bar and, Oh, uh, Rob, what's the, I'm blanking out? now. What's the, 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 the Chicago alcohol that tastes like piss, gasoline, oh, Malort, Malort. Uh, and, uh,
2: <laughs> it, that,
3: that is like a, that's a tradition. If like you're visiting out in Chicago is to like, look, you got to try this trash. It's our, our, tra- it's part of our treasure, uh, is it really does smell and taste like gasoline. It is, it is truly atrocious. Um, and so he's like, I haven't seen you in forever. Like let's do a shot of Malort. And I'm like, I'm from Chicago. That's I, like, I, I'm good. I passed my tests like, but okay, fine. Yeah. Just, you know, I we'll do it. And so we do it. And then uh about 10 minutes later, he's like, we're doing another one. And I was like, I don't, I really don't. <sighs> okay. Uh like did it. And then he was about to order a third. I'm like, fucking stop it. And he's like, well, you're the only one that's done the Lord shots. And he just kept tricking. He just kept telling the bartender <laughs> to hand him <laughs> um, like water. <laughs> <laughs> he had do back to back Lord shots, which was, I was a little upset for about 30 seconds. Then I was like, "That's that was pretty good. Yeah. You got me. You got me. All right.
0: Obliterated? Yes.
4: I don't think I've ever done a prank.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a very Kato that's thing. Just, that's just... That's... Okay. Sure. I might, I might have, I mean, and I'm
4: just not remembering. I, 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 I do... I feel like I've told the, the story of the, the cricket prank on this podcast before, but my favorite, my favorite prank to be in the vicinity of was... Uh, when the senior class one year uh, l- let loose approximately ten thousand crickets on campus. Um,
3: That's really good. And
4: this was during during exam week was particularly great, where just like literal crickets going off in in every silence, like they couldn't find them all. There were just too many to wait for them to go away yeah they just have to wait for them to die i think they waited (laughs) it was close enough to the end of the semester that i think it was just like we're gonna just we need to get the kids out if before we can fucking bomb them it's like exams week (laughs) we're not gonna stop exams week and all that shit like uh but it would be it it was the a beautiful like three weeks of just every single time a a, a teacher would ask a question and no one had an answer literal crickets (laughs) it was beautiful. How does one get access to an industrial sized number of I crickets? I don't know. Oh, I mean, here's the thing in South Florida, there's like a <laughs> lot of parents are in like biology. There's like biology labs and like mm-hmm. um like I knew a, like a surprising amount of people who had parents that worked in like marine marine biology obviously because okay. of the coast. But like there's there's lots of people like in my county, there's like a lot of like zoo, zoological zoo, zoo, zoo like study happening. So somebody also, had a lot of
3: pet shops sell live crickets. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, but like 10,000. It was that's, that's what I easily... mean. Then it wouldn't be hard to find like who did it. I do at least all the three pet Smarts in the area and like,
4: like it was in every single building of the school. <laughs> and the school was like, you know, it was like separate buildings. So like you couldn't just dump enough that they would spread in one you had to dump like an an amount in each one yeah it was a shit ton of crickets uh,
0: this this does add an, a beautiful wrinkle to this because it does suggest that at least one trained biologist yeah facilitated <laughs> or something, this. at least right? at least one person who is trained in <laughs> biology was like that's real funny yeah sure I yeah sure you. yeah go ahead It's not going to hurt anything. Just like there'll be crickets. (laughs) I went to that high school.
2: I remember that teacher. (laughs) Yeah. Now's my time. (laughs) Uh. Andrew writes, my email is a two parter to carry on Patrick's discussion of neighbors getting involved in renovations. My mother had a neighbor who she caught with a measuring tape measuring the distance. We did this one. We did. did We
0: did. We were holding this one for when you got back because of the second part of the email.
2: Oh, did I? Oh, yeah. Oh, what yes.
0: Was
3: the? Okay, keep going.
2: Okay, part two. Rob's discussion about the storage room has clinched it for me. We need to hear from MK. How many weeks? <laughs> oh, stuff? This, we no. had our own separate discussion about this.
3: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. We okay. We, the, the, this this the, this reader suggested we needed uh, to stop having an, you know an in between uh, and and just we need uh, like. A right to MK section. Uh we ask questions, MK gives us answers. Um and uh <laughs> just and then so we can get a little more sense of well, MK told me this, MK said that. You know what? Let MK speak. <laughs> what does MK think about the Christmas tree? I don't know.
2: I don't she know. loves the Christmas tree. <laughs> MK, yeah, I believe that. MK adores the Christmas that. tree. Uh, <laughs> I think the bigger question now is whether MK is going to support me in my realization about what my home office is going to need.
0: Oh, my God, Rob. What? So I
2: was specking out a good capture PC, and I realized... Don't you already have a good capture PC? I don't. Well, guess God, how do I do? Mm-hmm. It's also my gaming PC. Right. You're fine, though. <laughs> Shh. You're fine. <laughs> no, I'm not. You don't need another... <sighs> I do. Because then I could, then like I could have a PC capture what's happening on a PC without any performance hit. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a dream. We
0: don't, we don't need that. <laughs> yes, we do. We have workarounds for this. Kato, we we li- be here. We li- yes, to-
2: <laughs> Do you know something I don't? <laughs> Kato, Kato can be very busy with production stuff sometimes. Sometimes it's just like, sorry, gang. My burgeoning career in I- I racing requires my full attention and streaming <laughs> and, <laughs> and I can't, like I can't uh-huh. spare a single frame. Oh, my yeah. God.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: So I was like, I was realizing I'm just specking out my gaming PC again to be a capture PC. But that's foolish, because then it turns out I just have my capture PC here. Yeah, I'm gonna mm-hmm. become tri- but if great. I need a PC, then I need a new gaming PC. The yeah. gaming PC has to become the capture PC. And there must be a new gaming PC that arrives.
4: And, yeah. uh, even better, stronger,
2: more Exactly. Powerful. <laughs> like Exactly. So much has changed since I, since I built this uh, PC. Like the new Intel CPUs are like really, really good. Um, like Intel's back on top, baby. And plus, you know, the 4090 video card uh, is very powerful. Robusto. <laughs> and so I think it's you're a, not going to find anyone supporting you in, you in this. Yeah.
3: MK is <laughs> not supporting you. Your colleague's don't support no support you. There's no way for you to write this off. In uh, well, I guess yeah, your taxes. I guess you could. <laughs> like that's not, that's the extent of this.
4: Hmm. Do I support the decision on like a personal level, on like a human to another human level? No. Do I support this decision as a person in production? Yes. Yes.
3: God. If you can oh, you do have, this. You have, ha- you have a quarter of a person. <laughs> in, Whoa. <your> <laughs> oh my.
4: Yeah, like that one Look. quarter of me. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't I guess kind of, of how Kado do you divide yourself? You. Yeah, how right. much is production right. Kato? Yeah.
3: How much is personal Kato? Right. I, <laughs> I shouldn't like.
2: speak for you. I'm sorry. That was out of turn. That was. I, I uh, think I think a half a Kato at least is in my corner. <laughs> wow, well,
0: I can't believe I can't there. believe you would say that so much of Kato is built around their work life. I can't believe you would define them by that. <laughs> Rob, I,
3: for Rob's acne, would the, 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 as long as it just gets them over the finish line. Yeah, yeah.
4: God, it um, says a lot. How? Yeah, it's like everything would be better probably, but how much? Like, do you have the money to buy a new PC from
1: scratch?
3: He hasn't bought a desk. He hasn't bought lights. He hasn't
2: had an electrician <laughs> put in those lights. You know, he, he hasn't hold bought on. shelves.
1: Hold, hold on. on. So,
2: I have, there's a little, if I log into Chase Bank, there's a little thing that shows you how much, is a little meter that shows uh-huh. how much of your credit you're using. That's, yeah. No. And I'm not using very much of it. Okay, Uh, and so you know I you have the money.
0: You should keep it that way. Do I have the money? It's it's fine. The bar is
4: green uh, because it's good. The media
3: market is crushing it right now. Now is the time to have a little debt, have a little fun. You know, just. See get, what happens
0: <laughs> Get fun and flirty with it no really honestly though comes.
4: honestly though if if you know everything goes south, the only way you're gonna do this on your own is with two two pcs right like mm-hmm. you're just future proofing
2: right <laughs> right because right, like this is the thing. I will explain to m k thank you I think we're I think we got there now. <laughs> So I'll explain the katata. I'll explain the said. I'm not helping here. The katato said, "Do not do not name I me. I have what it takes to be streaming's ba- like next new star." Yeah, but it can only happen if I have APC built around a core a, a Core i9 13 <sighs> 1900k oh
3: my God. If you're going to become nine? a dreadnought
2: VTuber, this is the only way it's going to happen. Yeah.
0: This is this is a $3000 backup plan for when we all inevitably <laughs> get ethered by vikes.
4: <laughs> oh. You can't, say, you that I said you can't say that I said any of this. You can't say
2: that I said any of this. Kato like Kato like like Kato said like mk I'm sorry, like Kyle said, "This is your backup plan, no. uh, and so that's what we are investing in: is Dark. financial security."
1: Dark.
2: You don't. You don't need an i nine. What are you doing? Well, if I don't get that, then the forty ninety will be uh, CPU bottlenecked. Can't four, have that now. For, can the can forty we? what? The forty nine. The forty. 40- so. If you look into this, look, it is just the best, like, performance for money that NVIDIA makes, like, all the other, like, 40 series uh, cards. It's true. Throughout life, like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you just spend the most to get the most? Right. That's just.
3: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm
3: and saying the money you save is more than efficiency. offset by
2: dips in performance as you go down to the 40 series, is my understanding. Rob so- just doesn't believe in DLSS. Like, this, is, this, <laughs> is very, this, is, this is
4: very this this is is very funny, because during Motorsports Mondays, I feel like I would be the one to push us to put, use our fake money and get into fake debt in order to play the
2: game better. But we're completely oh swapped
4: here <laughs> in real life. You know life. why that is, Kato?
2: <laughs> because in Motorsport Manager... I'm able to access like higher brain function (laughs) and like I am like I can see that this is not a good like this fictional business Uh cannot afford this expense it will be a disaster
0: someone needs to gamify
2: Rob's finances but (laughs) in this moment I'm like it's just like this is just the best it'll pay for itself over time (laughs) yeah yeah Oh. Once, you need I, to s- once I invest in a good VTu- VTubing persona
4: It's a dreadnought You should have a little dreadnought I'll be a with anime,
2: girl. Anime. <laughs> No people, people, people love those girls I do Those sad, grave, doomed Beautiful aircraft carrier girls <laughs> <sighs> Shame what happened to them all right, uh, so our last our last email uh, is, hey there, Wade Gaggle.
1: Hey. In episode
2: 535, y'all talked about the layoffs hitting tech in the games industry. I find myself hitting a friction point that I think is interesting around sympathizing with tech workers as much as when working class jobs get these hits and want to discuss it with y'all. As a bit of background, I live in Seattle working in the restaurant industry uh, pre-pandemic and transitioned into healthcare in the last two years and consider myself a leftist. Seattle has had a long-running history of the tech sector, gutting the city for working-class people with uncapped wages and active campaigning against affordable housing while bringing in thousands of tech workers every year, making Seattle uh, cost of living to be one of the highest in the country. During the pandemic, the majority of people still able to afford going slash ordering out were the tech workers. The consensus among the hospitality industry out here was a massive drop in tip percentages and worsening treatment by customers. Then, when moving into healthcare, we saw a strong correlation between tech workers and people doing unsafe practices, refusing masks, social distancing, social gatherings, etc. Uh, who had like who had the money and insurance to make getting sick and bills trivial. Now, hearing them talk about how they are worried about being able to afford luxury condos they moved into and, uh, and the skyrocketing uh, food cost of the city is difficult. Obviously, I can't blame all of this on them, yet it's difficult to feel solidarity for these Amazon, Microsoft, and Facebook employees that have been getting paid three to five times the amount of money that most service industry, grocery, retail workers, and healthcare workers in the city get paid while getting this treatment from them for the past decade. I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on this. Signed, So Tired in Seattle. I think it's a good question. Like, I think there's an answer. But I do think, like, this is... I don't think this feeling is that unusual, and it's not hard to understand, right? Um, I will say, like, many years ago at this point, a uh, business trip out to Redmond Was one of the most most soul sucking experiences I've had in my life. Like at that point, it was like it was such an odd terrarium uh, for tech workers. Uh, It's the only place outside of South Beach in Miami where I have seen a traffic jam of like exotic sports cars. I've never seen that happen anywhere else. But (laughs) for Nintendo uh and Microsoft are all
3: kind of located. Like, and a lot of these people live in Seattle, and there's like one way to get there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and so. Like I think my initial reaction to it is, I mean, there, there's a couple things. Um, my first is that I think there are scenarios or interactions that are almost primed to show the worst side of people to one another. For instance, I'm very like supportive of healthcare worker strikes and and all that these these these, things, these actions that are ongoing. Uh they're they're super important. It's great that uh healthcare workers are like standing up against exploitative conditions, against hospital networks that are raking in cash while making working conditions uh impossible and hospitals unsafe. And I'm I'm supportive of all of that. I'm also going to acknowledge up front that some of the worst uh and like scary interactions that I or my partner have had in our lives have been with nurses and doctors. Uh, And there's a lot of people in that profession that I'm like, fuck you. (laughs) Like, I'm glad you're miserable Uh, because those interactions have been so bad and so lacking in compassion or even interest in like the things we are bringing to them. That it is very easy to like take those experiences and sort of apply them broadly and say like. You know, well, those people don't care about people like me, so why should I care about them that much except for what I get out of it? just like having the benefit of knowing there's an emergency room nearby. But the thing I have to bear in mind with that is like it's always a hard job. Like frequently a lot of these experiences have happened in the context of uh, one of them was like the emergency room at Boston Medical Center. That is a very intense ER uh, in the city and because of like short staffing issues and just the intensity of the job, a lot of times I, I recognized that we would be dealing with people who just did not have the reserves, emotional or otherwise, to be as compassionate or present as they might otherwise have been. I was primed to encounter the worst version of them possible. Mm-hmm. And from their standpoint, I think, you know, they would get hardened, uh, and jaded about dealing with patients. You know, when you are one of several hundred people that they might see in a 24 hour period dealing with like great pain or something, or, or like, de- like demanding more time and attention than they really have to give. I understand how you end up in that place of like kind of treating people like shit and making a scary situation worse some more, more traumatic. And I try to separate that, like personal anger, I feel from those situations, those interactions, with an understanding that on both sides of that, we were sort of set up to have a shitty interaction. That doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't biases in the healthcare industry that make these situations more likely, but the table is really set for people to be frustrated and pissed off at each other. And I think that is the first, like, that's my first reaction when I look at this question is, I think this is also one of those relationships uh, when you're talking about, like, like, food service workers and such. I think it's very easy to remember your most negative experiences and, like, have those, like, sit with you and sting the most. Um, but also, you don't necessarily know with 100% accuracy who you were actually dealing with. Uh, in those moments, or what they are bringing with them into that exchange as well. That's
1: that's my first reaction. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I I'm I'm also
3: like you sympathetic to the the person writing uh, this question. I think, you know, even more broadly speaking, when we see these cascading layoffs, if you have been around for various you know I'm still deeply scarred by the experiences of like the 2008 recession in which you have moments where when you start to see sweeping unceremonious layoffs in one area the the first thing you start to think is oh well this is just this is the that, the, the little domino at the beginning and it's all coming for the rest of us eventually i just don't know where i fit in that domino like once like you start pulling out the pegs you know where where does the rest of that crumble Um, And so I think you I think you can see some of the like, quote unquote, solidarity there, even if like we are separated in uh, (laughs) economic certainty uh, from from certain folks that are losing their jobs at places like that and have a level of comfort they can rely on that, especially given the past year and change where we've been pounded into our heads, that you're all going to lose your jobs like the recession is coming for you. You start to look for signals of when is that coming? And it's like, oh, shit, maybe it was this. And actually what we've discovered you know, with a little bit of distance, obviously we've had the tech ones and then the media ones have been happening alongside that. But if you look at the broader economy, it's more just like that sector overheated over the last couple of years. And that's not to justify the actions of these companies, but places like Amazon just wildly overhired over the course of the last three years and uh, their own reckless behavior is is coming for them.
2: Although just one caveat there, I'm not sure that's true. Yeah. Like it's what they are saying, but I do increasingly wonder if that's actually true, because I, I've i talked to a couple people from companies that had layoffs. And there's a lot of folks who are being offered some of their old work back on a contract basis, like and so. I'm like, oh, sure that's part
3: of it. That's what, that's what, you know, we watched what happened with, you know, the purge of, of Twitter. It's like it's right. much easier to get those people off the books and then hire them on a on a version where you have more power in that. In that scenario, I'm sure, but that is. But
2: that's something bear in mind. Is like I was like, yeah, they probably did overhire, and clearly they they do want to like put resources in different directions. But uh, I, I also like, you know, it's anecdotal, but some people have indicated to me that like, well, actually, they had even even before these layoffs in some of these places, they didn't quite have enough people to do all the work that needed doing. And now they are scrambling to hand off that work to contractors or bring some of these folks back on contract basis, so like i like I'm a little skeptical now, more than I was a week or two ago that necessarily this was all like Oof. We got a little crazy in the text. I mean, they're always looking for cover, right? Like that's
3: It can it can be it can be true to an extent, but also gives you a real broad excuse to do a lot more than what that might justify initially.
2: But but I think you made a good point there. Whereas, like a lot of folks who have been through these types of layoffs, do look at situations like this and immediately have a very empathy based on experience uh, when it comes to how these things shake out. Ren, you had you had something.
0: The other thing I want to know here is that like. There's there's a note here that like beyond like shitty interactions, right? There are there are very real material concerns being expressed here, which are like, you know, people who are actively campaigning against affordable housing in the city you're in. Right. And the only thing I'll note here is that like the vast majority of people who moved or I, I won't say the vast majority. There are people who moved to the city because of that gig. And then their company has been campaigning for that. Right. Like I moved to New York because of Kotaku, I did not have the option not to move. GeoMedia said, if you do not move in one month, we will not hire you. Uh, and so I moved to New York because I wanted the job. Right. And I've lived here since. And the policy of the company is fundamentally, for me, like incompatible with my own personal beliefs. Right. Like that I moved here on a month's notice into the neighborhood that I moved into, I think sucks. Um but it was, you know, the the I did not dictate that Jim Spanfeller did. Right. And at the end of the day, you aren't dealing with people who have like stock options, right? The people who got laid off are not the people with stock options at those companies. They are explicitly not part of the owning class of their own companies. Like they, they, they get a salary and a wage and moved there with the understanding of that. And so, I think it does make sense that there would be some degree of panic when that all falls apart, right? And who did everyone's being fucked over by the same person, which is the company that is advocating against um, affordable housing to, uh, you know, better bolster, you know, to 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 better justify their own hiring practices.
2: Well, and sometimes it's not even necessarily the company, but like the executive class of the company because i do know what like uh like uh so tired is alluding to uh, like from bubbles ago like friends of mine who have been in tech in the bay area for instance right. a lot of those folks they make really good money on paper and you think like wow that annual income like things must be great and then you see they're living in a pretty like really modest like one or two bedroom that you know, it's just it's a little bit shabby, a little bit rough, and they're renting it for a ridiculous amount of, a, amount per month. And I know a lot of folks who are in that boat who, like, are gritting their teeth, being like, we need more affordable housing in this area. We just need more housing, period. But then you discover that, like, for whatever reason, in local communities, that, like, a lot of cases among uh, incumbent home- homeowners, there's continued resistance to, uh, like, new development. And then, yes, there are, like, the executive class of some of these companies, they move into their very like, Tony suburban enclaves, and they're like, "I got my McMansion. You'll be d- I'll be damned if if I let you put up multifamily housing, mm-hmm. uh, with within a mile of it." Uh, so I think that that's a that's a good point as well. Is like when we say, "Well, these are the people who campaigned against housing development," I suspect a lot of people who worked at jobs like these and got laid off probably were also hoping that there would be more housing developed in, in the region and they weren't necessarily the people doing it. Um, but like, again, I'm not saying like you're, you're wrong to feel this way. I, I think I completely, th- this is the thing, right? Like something can be totally emotionally true. I totally get like how you end up feeling this way. Cause like mm-hmm. if your experience, of the pandemic is you're in a high mortality line of work and then a lot of the people the worst people you deal with are these fucking like you know (laughs) this is a gender specific term it needn't be but i do feel like you're dealing with a lot of tech man children (laughs) uh you know uh, uh, like in this business in the backdrop Mm. of this 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 pandemic uh you know, or or let us say, like a lot of like, um, you know, classic Karens, right? Like, so, like various like privileged people who just like make your life a fucking nightmare. That's going to really sting, and that's going to be an enduring memory of this. And you're going to encounter a, a lot of folks like that. And I think, like, what just the way I tend to respond to these things, the thing I try to bear in mind is that. There's no way I'm taking an unbiased sample size because we dwell on the negative and we don't think about the neutral and the positive vanishes from the back of our mind immediately. Mm -hmm. And two, you just don't know what is what is behind some of the interactions the people like have with you. Like, like, like there have absolutely been days where I've gotten pissed off at service workers, 100 percent hands down. In general, I don't like to think of myself as a person where where that has happened or I I do that regularly. But there are days when it's just like it has been a rising series of crises and like one thing after another. And I I just run across somebody who gave out their last fuck to give hours ago. Mm -hmm. And that rolls forward in our relationship. And suddenly it's like, well, okay, fuck you. I guess I guess this is now an adversarial thing. And that's and I I try to bear in mind when I when I like think about these uh, experiences that make it very easy to like paint with a broad brush. Fundamentally, like you're going to be biased in how you take experiences on board. And to there's a lot of people who fit the bill of the class that you are thinking about that don't at all fit your stereotypes about them that that are just not the people who've been giving you grief. Yeah.
0: Um. Also, I'll say is that I spent some I visited a friend in Philly recently uh, who goes to a, a UPenn, the fucking Ivy League and is in is in grad school there. And like the thing that pissed me off about being there was not the people, but the fact that that school owns a non a non like insignificant portion of that city. Right. Like UPenn owns a significant portion of that city and has turned it into its own playground for rich kids. Yep. And there are also some other people who are there. And, like, mm-hmm, at the yeah. end of the day, it sucks that you pen did that, not that, like, you know, kids who are on scholarship are going to the school. It's um, that, is, that is my reference point.
4: It's almost always more likely that you're, what you're looking at are things that exist because of structural issues with yep. our society, right? Like, it's part of the it's a, it's a function of capitalism to extract as much as possible out of its laborers no matter where in like the tentpole they exist and like or in on the totem pole they exist and then like it just means it's gonna it it's more likely that your your interactions will be adversarial because people who are exhausted people who are worked to the bone are more likely are less likely to connect with other people just as a baseline sort of like structural thing, you know? Yeah. Just, just
3: think of the way people talk about a DMV, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, those people are miserable or the post office, It's like, yeah, imagine working there. You know know what I I mean? Like the system is, is designed for you both to have a really poor interaction and, and really dislike the other person.
4: And there's even like people who are still not quite management class that are like making good money and like the work that they do. And they're still kind of, you know, semi rich assholes. Where like there are certain there are certain points where I'm like well if we had a different system they wouldn't be able to do like the like like the the, the whole thing about like gentrification happening right or like I never lay that on on the feet of like the people do doing the moving more that we should yep. have a system of housing that doesn't allow that to happen
2: right right it's the, <laughs> right that's the classic thing where it's like. A lot of times, the person who's like, "Oh, you're coming to this neighborhood and gentrifying it is like, "Yes," because they were just priced out of their previous neighborhood right. by yeah, right. people who were priced <laughs> out of their previous neighborhood. Like, right. it like it just rolls outward, and or onward. like
4: or like even the like, just like the you know the whole like land- landlord system is like, yeah, obviously, like that shouldn't be happening, <laughs> basically. But for some people who get the right amount of like, I've 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 known I've known people who have like. Had like a burst of money, and they're like, Well, the smartest way to invest this is to own property and rent it. And it's just like, yep. that's what you can and do in order, in, tor- yeah. in order to, in order to, and like, and it's like th- they're um, like artists. And so, like, that is a precarious business to be in. They had enough injection of money at once to buy a property and rent it. And so now they're landlords. And it's just yep. like, if that system didn't exist because we didn't need to have that sort of like, if capitalism, if like housing was, didn't work that way, and they they wouldn't have bought into that, and maybe we were in a better system where artists don't have to like like scrounge for every single dollar, like those people wouldn't exist, right? Like it's that sort of thing where like yeah, they shouldn't be landlords, but like it was the smart decision under the systems that we live under. It's the right closest now. thing to a
3: lottery ticket, right. For a lot of people, exactly.
4: So really. I always I always like to take a step back and I'm like is like societally is this just like happening because of the way we've organized ourselves and 99% of the time it's like yeah honestly if this was organized differently
0: this situation wouldn't be happening Please. <laughs> Bill arguably the stupidest possible system like everyone's yeah. probably like, I over like, ju- it was like we just this is the be- right bookshelves for the
3: economy <laughs> and how we structured society like Rob like, w- like what kind of bookshelf if we are our most idealized societal bookshelf w- what are we looking at
2: I and mean, there's a lot of different ways to build a bookshelf <laughs> I think I think the you run into real fucked up problems when the bookshelf convinces you that like this is the only type of bookshelf there can be, and you, if anything, you need to make sure that all the bookshelves become this bookshelf, uh, because there's no other. Per- if it does not, if if something does not fit on this bookshelf, it should not be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like I just flash back to uh to to think back to gamers, with uh, not gamers with jobs uh GFW radio a long time ago. There's an episode that um Jeff Green tells about. A guy whose job was to sell popcorn at Disneyland being approached by a guy who's like, man, I'm like, I've got my kids with me. I don't have money, but like my kids screaming for food. It's hot. Can I just get like a pop and a thing of popcorn and like just deal with the kid? And the guy's like, fuck it. Okay, here you go. And that was a floor walker uh, basically hired by Disney to see if anyone was giving away free merchandise. And the guy got shit canned immediately for doing that. What the fuck? And as Sean Elliott sort of said on that episode, but it sort of stuck with me too, it's like... The thing that has to happen in that situation is like the fact that you two, like that the one guy is doing this to to the other. They, the 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 one guy's job is to catch people like being kind, and the other job the other guy's getting fired from being kind. Whoever set that rela- like that's not to say the dude who's like investigating these people and getting them right. fired isn't like like doing something shitty, but the real villain is whoever was like we got to find the people giving out free popcorn. Yeah. And drinks to like children on a hot day in Disneyland, uh, and get their asses out of here. Whoever that is is your villain. The opposite of that story is uh, we, we went to
3: Disney World, is the one in Florida, right? Yeah. Um, and a friend of ours, uh, you know, is involved in military yada yada, And so they rotate through bases and happened to be at the one that was just outside of Disneyland. So we were able to or, uh, Disney World, so we were able to go there for cheap, and we. Went one day to the I forget what the place is called, but it's the like kind of adults for Dis like Disney for adults. It's like there's restaurants and bars, things for kids to do, but it's not actually in the park proper. And I'm walking around, we're just trying to like finish a meal. And so I was like, I'll go walk around with Jessica. She was she was maybe two two and a half at the time and she was ready for bed and we're just trying to stretch her out for a little bit longer and there was this guy running some toy little random little toy pop-up shop and it had a big bucket of little plushy dogs and she became fixated on it and i looked at the price and i was like we are you know this is toward the end of the trip i looked at it and it was like above my threshold i was like i am i am desperate kiddo but like 30 bucks ain't it. Like, I just can't like 10, 15. I could have done it. And so I was like, I'm just going to deal with you throwing a tantrum. So I was like going to take it out of her hand and like put it back in. And the guy comes up to me. He's like, just she can have it. And I was like, really? And he was like, it's a big bucket. You know how many of those get stolen during the day that I can't keep track of? And I was like, okay. And he's like, enjoy the rest of your trip. And I was like, one of the like, opposite of that but one of the kindest yep. interactions i have with someone just watching a parent have a crisis moment where they're just like in some ways it was like disney is built this way like when i went there yeah they you know they organized the 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 thing how things are stored in a store so that the kinds of things my kid would want are going to be at the bottom so they can grab it and they can create a stress scenario for the parent to have mm-hmm. to feel guilty if they take it away and so to have that moment where someone just recognized like bro like this like 50 cent dog that we were charging 30 bucks for seven other kids stole one when i was like checking someone out just have it was was awesome like i will always like <laughs> i tried to go back and give him money it was like can i just like tip you like i'm still giving money in this scenario but like you should have it and he was insistent i i just take the dog so a nice counterbalance too yeah. that exact that exact story
0: when when I worked in uh, service uh, up until like re- like hospitality and service and, and housekeeping, et cetera, the, the, the lesson that I've come away with it is. Always try to fuck over your boss and always try to fuck over the boss of anyone else you're interacting with, like 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 at the end of the day. It, you're both you're both getting screwed over, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> lie to cops, lie to bosses.
2: Noted. That's a wrap on today's episode of <laughs> Waypoint Radio. <laughs> if you want more from Waypoint, you follow us on Twitter at Waypoint. Facebook and YouTube, Waypoint Vice. Uh, Patrick, you want to see if you can get some free popcorn off <laughs> Uh You can follow me on Twitter, at Rob Zachney. Pa- Patrick, where can people follow you?
3: At Patrick Clubby.
2: Cotto.
4: At A underscore cado underscore appears.
3: Uh, Renata. I'm going to interrupt you. I cannot read all of these. Do we get to Ren? Did I just do that you, by accident? You did yeah, it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Birthday boy oh, was... I, thought it
2: was,
0: I thought it was through. God damn it. <laughs> no, he was saying Renata as uh, he was very angry about I, saying Renata I'm as a, he did. No, you got this. I'm going to.
3: No. <laughs> Say your Twitter name.
0: You can you can follow me on Twitter at Renor Raven. I'm going
3: find some suitable punishment for me today. Rob, we're gonna have to think about their- <laughs> He's so flab, so. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need some sort of punishment. Inappropriate. Uh, so these these I cannot read all these these uh, reviews that people are you're uh, overflowing of kindness. There's too many. Um we're not quite at 2,000, but we're getting there. I appreciate it. Keep keep getting on there, keep doing those reviews. I've just picked a couple. But when when I look on this chartable website, it also shows me related reviews to your podcast. And I have to read this one from uh, uh, November 23rd, 2016. Clearly right after we had started the podcast. Not what I thought. One star. This one is a journey. I listened to a GAMES, all caps, podcast for games. Coming, form, two of the best minds in gaming. Very disappointed. Austin Walker, you can do better. But, on the bright side, for a left-facing political podcast, not too bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, how many stars was that?
0: One. Uh, <laughs> amazing. What? what just happened? That's That's like a simultaneously
3: <laughs> psyched for the like, socialist-leaning video game podcast, but wished that those... Those dirtbags would just talk about games a tiny bit more. Um, that must have been when it was mo- mostly just Austin and I starting starting it. God. That is tremendously funny. But Phoenix 654, five-star runtimes. Nothing but a blatant Kirk- Kirkland propaganda mouthpiece. Love the discourse. I so look forward to Rob's eventual used <laughs> speaker store And aside characters like Patrick's massive skeleton. If you know, you know FCGH. Yes, Rob opening this... Like, Rob would not become a landlord. Rob would try and open a an audio files paradise. Um, <laughs> uh, or maybe Rob you can in 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 uh like befriend this person who is running the speaker store that you go to all the time. Like what if he was to like bequeath it to you? Like if he if he pulled you aside and said, "Rob, would you run this store?" You'd think about it.
2: Yes, but here okay, but here's how these things go immediately off the rails. Mm-hmm. He has the technical knowledge that allows him to be that store's sole employee. <laughs> Yeah, I would immediately need a technician who does 90% of the work. And I'm pretty sure that would throw off the economics of running (laughs) the store completely. (laughs) Like either I am wildly exploiting somebody mm -hmm. or I am steadily going bankrupt running my (laughs) passion project. Now, like slowly going bankrupt is not a deal breaker because there's the whole like fun of it all that's what bankruptcy is for right just wash your hands it ain't what it used to be that's the problem (laughs) is (laughs) so man like i had an aunt go bankrupt like 25 years ago and that was basically a literal like i fucked up sorry and (laughs) just left everything burning (laughs) behind them and it was like that's cool a couple years this will be like this never happened and now it's like okay well turns out we secretly brought debtor's prison back so congratulations uh on that like you you still you still owe for this okay. uh so yeah it, like maybe maybe the rules are different if you're an entrepreneur because like there are all those incentives for like people should be allowed to take risk and create new businesses and jobs <laughs> maybe maybe you're allowed to do that maybe i'd be like hey man i thought i could run a speaker store and i didn't know anything about circuit boards shit got fucked up what do you want me to do and maybe they'll be like that's all right you're the type of go-getter that built america and i'll be like thanks uncle sam and my debts will be discharged i don't know if that's how it works
1: <sighs> yeah right uh, in. Really Toast, works.
2: uh toaster wheels writes the
3: best way to keep up the latest and greatest in video games like checks notes Kingsfield, the ancient city. Fuck. God, I'm we, con- have I'm know, <laughs> we have to go back. I'm roasted. I know. We have to go back. We have to go back and record a lost podcast, Link, <laughs> oh link, God. and uh, also we have to, yeah, huh, huh? Yeah, you like yeah. that one? You that like that good. one? That was good. Yeah. Uh, Ride Dunamis, uh writes, you know it's real when you close out of a different app and re-download this one just so you can hit that fifth star and feed the maw of the algorithm. Waypoint has been a constant companion comfort for the last few years and frankly got me through some difficult stages in my life. Every person on the pod, past and present, has said something that made me say, huh, never really thought about it like that. What more can you ask for? Uh... <laughs>
4: Are they doing Ren's uh,
3: bit?
1: <laughs> 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 That's good.
3: That's good. That's good. That's another good callback. Uh bicycle. Uh B I sickle. bicycle? That's pretty good. Uh, for a podcast to be engaging enough for me to listen when the subjects being discussed are pieces of media that I haven't watched, played, or listened to, the hosts need to be really funny, interesting, and their chemistry needs to be top notch. This is exactly what you'll get from Waypoint Radio. Rob, Patrick, Cotto, and Renner all articulate the reason they love, hate, or aggressively indifferent about a game, <laughs> movie, or whatever headlines And the zeitgeist. Rob and Patrick have also just uh, gotten into discussing sports, specifically American football. Being someone who's never sat through an entire game of pigskin, it says so much about the conversations that Rob and Patrick have. Even I will sit and listen for hours on end. FCGH, Damien from Pittsfield. Uh, uh, I feel like at some point, Apple's going to realize what that acronym stands for and is going to... Like, I, sometimes I have to tell Kato when <laughs> yeah, I keep they forgetting. send me their podcast descriptions. Like, Kato, you can't say bullshit in the podcast description. God it's going to get it. us in trouble with Apple. Fuck. <laughs> <And> I think <laughs> like you put fuck in the title of one one time. I was like, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, so I don't know if, if this acronym is going to get us got by Apple uh, at some point. I mean, so if anyone from Apple is listening, just, like, be
2: cool. Like, don't, like, it's good. Um, be normal about it. Apple loves people yeah. going home. Maybe to curl up with a nice iPad.
1: <laughs>
3: uh let's see uh nick james fm uh writes waypoint radio has it all little freaks 12 foot skeletons mouse that wreck stovetops parasitic wafts speakers carrots coffee capes tall ships a keyblade master sports dev patel cranking it protection <laughs> rack you created in elementary school and so so much more but of all of that is an amazing group of people that provide such valuable and needed discussions about gaming and beyond especially in these past few weeks it seems like spaces like these are disappearing at an increasing speed What you all do is vital, and it's such a delight every time there's a new episode that drops. Thank you. Five-star runtimes, five-star podcast, FCGH. Damn, people are just really leaning into that one now. Um, uh, King Kush. The turning point on Waypoint, uh, when Waypoint turned into a must-listen regardless of topic pod, was there was an in-depth discussion about The Mentalist out of the blue, a show which I adored in high school but literally none of my peers had watched or even heard of. Bonus points for Chicago Bears talk as well. Super Bowl, Super Bear, Super Bowl 2025. I believe that was you and Austin, correct? Yes. Just all of a sudden it was like an hour mentalist. of mentalist talk out of, <laughs> out of nowhere. And bo- like, both of you just had a shared love
2: of that procedural. Well, Austin convinced me he was like, give it a try. Oh, and then you fell for it. Oh, okay. I did. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's an excellent program.
2: <laughs> it's a magical journey you want to see you wanna see a, a good actor refine a character that he plays over a period of like seven years and just like shade it in with, with such nuance and depth of feeling uh that you realize like it's just there are things possible in this form that can't happen in a film or even a prestige mm-hmm. t v show mhm uh m b neely uh world star
3: five star it's good, I've been listening <laughs> for the jump, and I'm only just now reviewing due to the promise of the lost cast. Uh, keep on five starring <laughs> those run times. Uh, don't worry, we yeah, we'll get, get there. Zone.
1: Be,
3: essentially, there'll be like a hiccup in like cover, like that. that a lost there cast will be a, a category of podcast, and there you will find is the like, island. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You will turn a frozen donkey wheel <laughs> and then. Fuck. I swear I'm not spoiling anything if you no, haven't seen this fine. show. Those only make Uh <laughs> B uh, Penda 13, uh, please help. My family is starving. Food, $80. Utilities, $300. Waypoint Plus, $5. Kirkland Band products, $1,000. A bump and hi fi system, $8,000. <laughs> and those are a taste of the delightful reviews oh. people have been leaving. Over on iTunes, we're, we're marching towards uh, a goal of 2000. Uh, thanks everyone who has been uh, writing in, uh, and a surprising number of you not taking advantage of the question. Is a, que- is a, is a question, is a question mark banned in the, in the comments of, a, of an iTunes review? Have too many people taken advantage of, of this in the past <laughs> and this system doesn't work? I don't know, but thank you for, for writing them. We, we sincerely uh, appreciate it. It does, it's one of the few ways that like you can sort of guarantee the podcast gets a little more exposure than it does in the past um so uh, appreciate everyone taking taking the time and leaving the funny uh and uh, heartfelt reviews
2: people need to be exposed to waypoint radio yes yeah
0: play it yes. on your phone on the train <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> out loud bluetooth no no bluetooth speaker that shit
1: <laughs> just Jesus. <laughs> <geez.
3: laughs> So you're saying is I'll take one of those Sonos moves, right? Because uh, they're they're meant to move. There you go. I got a Bluetooth option. There you go. And uh, just blasting me talking on Waypoint Radio. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm really cool and normal.
3: <laughs> I mean, one time, one time, like when I started uh, doing occasional podcasts when I worked at One Up, my my dad like sat down. At a, at a Christmas with, like, everyone was over. it's was like, listen to this. And, like, put down an iPod or something like that and, like, made people listen to me on a podcast because it was novel. It was one of the most horrifying – I stopped I would, it. I said that I could not – I could not handle it. I would die.
0: I would – I was- would –
3: Imagine hmm. a group of 25 people all sitting out with drinks like at a Christmas gathering like listen to you no. describe no, some that's <laughs> no. my no. gorilla on no. the no. internet i
4: leave Radio. i leave i leave i die my my soul leaves my body that's how i leave <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes uh, yes i have friends who ask me to recommend them episodes and i'm like i can't I can't, I can't, and I won't. <laughs> Excuse me. What do you mean?
2: No. Okay, we can probably do better
0: than that, though. <laughs> no, no ask them to leave a five star review though on iTunes. That's least. a really good idea. <laughs> during our during my, our Last of Us watch tomorrow, I'll be like, hey, can you hey. can you leave a five star podcast review? <laughs> Thanks, Queen.
2: Uh, and hey, thanks to Waypoint Plus, we've been able to have a bunch of fun streams lately. Uh, so Patrick and I are continuing to play the Dead Spaces uh, side by side, and I think we're going to be doing that after this recording as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oh, shit. You know, if you're one <laughs> yeah, thirty, yeah, we need to wrap this. We gotta go. Uh,
1: <laughs> we gotta go.
2: Yeah, we gotta we gotta bounce. Um, but that means that the VOD will be up tomorrow. And who knows, maybe there'll be some more dwarf fortress coming up, or maybe it's uh Oh god, the title's not Your all only you need move. Is Your only move. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all you need is kill Hustle.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um we'll, and we'll definitely do a uh, a Steam Next Fest. Yeah. Uh demo selection sometime. We normally do two, but maybe we can sneak in three streams. We'll have to huddle with production. The 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 part of Kato, however big that is. Uh, inside your soul it's a whole kato. it's a whole we'll kato with production cotto yeah. yeah.
2: a whole Kato is in favor of me getting a gaming pc <laughs> and i think that's you can't say these things good. they're not true like, like <laughs> Kato's Kado, like you're you know this industry no one's future is assured but if you have a gaming pc and a capture pc uh, <laughs> you're in, it's I, still not assured
3: you're <laughs> okay. you so assured I I have Rob's address. We are going to excerpt these conversations onto a thumb drive. I'm going to mail this
4: (laughs) on a thumb drive. Yeah, And
3: just because I don't know. I don't know. Part of this information is making it to the other part of this. Yeah, I've you know every once in a while we see MK in the background of the Discord call, but they're only hearing Rob. Right. Maybe Rob should start. Rob, can you broadcast the recording? (laughs) Right. There you go. Use those big old speakers back
4: there. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. the amount of editing i would have to do
2: yeah you, 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 to have, to, you have to change the mix completely <laughs> yeah. uh for for that oh. uh all right and for our waypoint plus listeners uh hopefully we'll be having a little pre-super bowl sorry this is a corporate podcast a little pre-big game uh <laughs> <laughs> the podcast jesus do uh, i need to bleep that <laughs> god <laughs> one of the uh, it makes me so angry every time like i see local supermarkets needing the hedge around it like can we even say the super bowl it's and it's just like you're selling seven layer deep it's seven the big layer game dip. this yeah. that's the
4: real reason to watch the super bowl is to eat seven layer dip and wings that's
2: why Hell i yeah. watch the super bowl <laughs> It's seven layer dip is good. It should come out more than once a year, but it feels excessive any other time, but like, right.
1: That's for the one thing. weekend a year,
2: <laughs> it's like this is appropriate and makes sense and yeah. everyone's like I agree. I also love this like paste of protein and fat. <laughs> uh yeah, and I think uh people uh, in the main feed people will have heard our Green Night podcast, but just imagine yeah. if you'd heard that without the ads and a week oh, earlier. And that's what happens when you go to waypointplus.com. Be a part of the if conversation. That sounds good. <laughs> so if you if that sounds good or if you just want more waypoint or if you just want to get rid of those nasty ads, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support waypoint and everything else we do here. And if you want to show not just support, but zeal, go to waypoint general store buy some refine. waypoint merch our theme music is by bowen the track is miss you off the ep pale machine learn more at waypoint.zone boen for now we are calling time on this tuesday we'll talk to you again on friday until then fcgh
1: only from rustolium